They love sucking Satan's cock. They get off on it. It could get culty. Anything could get culty. I'm just the one that, that, that kills them, and I can just say I was following orders, okay? This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> this show is behind the shem shemas. Yes, it seems. I'll give you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. You maniacs! What is a man? You blew it up! Damn you! A miserable little pile of secrets! Damn you all to hell! What is BTS? When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance of this. Your face is wearing thin. Ballless, soulless, spiritless, corporate little bitches, suckers of Satan's cock, each and every one of them. We're rock stars against drugs because that's what the president wants. All oh, suck Satan's cock. That's what we want, isn't it? Government approved rock and roll. We're rock stars who do Pepsi Cola commercials. Suck Satan's cock. Put that big scaly pecker down your gullet. Drink that black worm jism. Drink it. Fill your little bellies. Send in vanilla ice. Hello, Vanilla. It says here on your application, you have no talent, and yet you want to be a star. I think something could be arranged. I will lower the standards of the earth. I will put 56 channels of American gladiators in every TV. I will put all the money in the hands of 14-year-old girls. They will think you are charismatic, deep and edgy. Oh. 
podcasting improved rock and roll. This is episode 111 of Behind the Schemes for August 8th, 2022. And tongue in the black worm, I'm Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. Hmm. <laughs> and the all one. the way, all the way from way the hell over here where government mandated music is the norm and we don't know anything other than that. My name is Lavish. Yeah, man. Don't y'all pogo to the beat of the boot stomping down? Oh, man. <laughs> i tell you what. The boot store is open and we got stuff on sale. Uh, people love boots around here and people love licking them. <laughs> Business is booming. <laughs> Business is is good. I should go find some uh, Megadeth peace sales ISOs now. <laughs> Megadeth came through here not too long ago. Oh, nice. They're a nice little uh, group, a musical group. Did you ever see, uh, did you ever go see Ch- uh, Tesla? No, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. Okay. They're opening for uh, Leonard Skinnerd. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, that's not for a little while. Okay. I'm jumping But I down. think I will check that out when it comes through. Very cool. Very legal. The, that fucking Tom Petty band, uh, what is it, uh. Oh gosh, it's uh, the the heart. No, it's ah, whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, this remember. is the No Agenda Streams' biggest Tom Petty fan, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. What you know? <laughs> he's cool. What a great guy. I very rarely play Tom Petty. Uh, keeping that in mind, but I do like him. I do like him. Well, I'm sure you're tempted to play him all the time. It's oh yeah, because because of this. And uh, Servo is already asking questions over at the green room, irc.zeronode.net, hashtag green room. That's the chat room where everybody's hanging out. And he's asking, ooh, woo. And all, ooh, I, can, all I can say to him is, ooh, woo. Mmm, that's one cold ooh, woo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got a new Boostagram sound for tonight. It is the ooh, woo girl. Ooh, woo. Mm. I, can't, I can't get that high. <laughs> I'm glad that she uh, at least she could make an appearance tonight. Hot diggity! Uh, we got to yeah, use a nice little uwu on this fine Monday evening. I got a new tarot deck making a, an appearance tonight. Oh my goodness! Uh, just spent the weekend in Pennsyl- uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. past couple of days, and um, one of the museums that we went to go check out was the Mutter Museum. The Mutter Museum. Which is this big uh, death culty sort of uh, tomb or shrine set up to the in the name of medicine. So they got all of these like skulls and what specimens and like uh, soapified bodies and all this crazy shit. Mm, okay. Um, Medical it, field related stuff. Yes. Yeah, it was one of those where they didn't want you taking pictures on the inside because they wanted you to respect the deceased, which I get. But I mean, yeah, but, you know, they're in a museum or whatever, but okay, I see. I see what they're trying to get past. But then you turn around and, you know, there's a skeleton of a person that's suffering from dwarfism and we drilled two half-dollar-sized uh, holes into his head so that we could feed a piece of rigging still. Steel, excuse me, to make him look like he's standing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and it's like, but it was done by experts, Booberry. So you I know, got an expert by the, yeah, 
Didn't trust the science. I left him a note. I left him a note there. I don't think it lasted long. They were looking for uh, reflections on the, the COVID-19 pandemic. They wanted to know what you thought about the past, the present, and the future, what you were doing to protect yourself and, and your loved ones. And I said, in the past, ignore the CDC. In the present, ignore the CDC. And in the future, abolish the CDC. <laughs> <laughs> man, they must get stuff like that all day long there. I hope so. Stuff. I hope so, man. We think about doing it in a genuine way. We didn't pass before COVID. We think we do it, man. I don't know. Not not good for you. Let's see. You you wrote the right thing. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and on I the got way- uh, kicked uh, from. Uh, I I sent you the picture already, though. I got banned from the San Francisco Reddit page. Uh, for basically saying the same thing about uh, they they had a picture of monkeypox like vaccine center. Yep. <laughs> and all I said was more like sheeppox. <laughs> everyone was like, I got banned. <laughs> and then, and then I messaged the mods and I was like, uh, just so you know, your sub and your whole censorship issue is garbage. And I hope you enjoy your vaccine symptoms. And then they, uh, <laughs> they got back to me again with like a double ban. They double secret banned me. Whoa. Um, no, Junta, I get banned off of something, like, all the time. I don't use Reddit a lot, but when I do use it, I get banned on something. <laughs> but they haven't, not everybody's banned me. So if I see something and I say it how it is, you know, then uh, maybe they'll ban me, maybe they won't. But I think it'll give, it gives me a smile whenever I I look at a Reddit thing and I, I actually see somebody, like, say the truth, and then they're downvoted to oblivion, but somebody had the good sense to just do it anyway. You know, you gotta, you gotta have. It's the little things. Just chip away, man. Chip away. <laughs> yeah, just want to be part of the solution, man. Not part of the problem. You know what I mean? Uh, I know what you mean. I feel it. I feel it. I, uh, I don't know if. Um, I, I definitely didn't get time because we flew in on Sunday. And then we turned around and got a new kitten. Uh, and then I had had to go back to work today. But I'm thinking about following the footsteps of Tom Starkweather. And doing a write up about it, I got I got a uh, a slew of photos, some pretty mm. good ones too. Um, I'm excited about. I was posting some of them up uh, on the socials during the week, but I nice. wanted to do a big collected gathering of them. Good friend of anyone who doesn't know our good friends, Tom Starkweather, who is a photographer in New York, and a, and a gifted one from what I've seen. Yes, and uh, he's actually got a subset that you should go check out. It's uh, recommended on our homepage, uh, along with a few other ones, including JCD, the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Great publication. Servo just posted a picture in the chat. Seven CEOs of major tobacco corporations testifying under oath that nicotine does not cause addiction. Oh. 1994. The science. Oh, shit. We can't, we can't allow this on the internet anymore. <laughs> nope. The ATF are on the way. Oh my goodness. Well, so on the way out of the Mutter Museum, of course, I had to stop into the gift shop because what self-respecting citizen would not stop at the museum gift shop on the way out? And there they had the Antique Anatomy Tarot. And this is a tarot deck that is all illustrations, uh, sort of vintage medical illustrations of 
skeletons and and skulls and um the chalices are actually elixirs so they have their little glass uh, medicinal bottles on the artwork Mm -hmm. the uh the rods look look like the uh sort of the i'm not sure what the name is but it looks like embalming tools almost Mm. Uh, the coins are coins and then the blade or the knife excuse me the swords are blades Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picked it up. It was definitely unique enough that it caught my eye, and uh, the fact that the cash register operator let me open up the deck and check it out was a big selling point. Oh, that's cool. That's very nice. Yeah. So with this uh, new deck, the Antique Anatomy Tarot, uh, I thought we drew a pretty apropos card for tonight, and it was the Hierophant. Which is mm. card number five of the Major Arcana, Astral yes, and Indeed. What I'm about to read comes straight from the book that was included with the deck. Astrological correspondence is Taurus, elements is Earth, that checks out. Companion card is Temperance. The Hierophant is one of the more traditional figures in the tarot and also one of the strictest. While his counterpart, the High Priestess, is focused on the occult and the power of intuition, He is focused on set principles, organized religion, and intense study. The Hierophant is the spokesperson for the divine. He asks that you search outside for yourself for answers, reminding you that there is nothing wrong with asking for help and looking to an expert for guidance. Who can you go to for wisdom? Sometimes the Hierophant appears as a religious leader, but he can easily uh, manifest in everyday figures such as a friend who always gives great advice or a teacher who shows you a new approach to problem solving. Now is the time to seek him out. And some final keywords is tradition, religion, study, uh, convention, and spiritual search. Hmm. Yeah, also maybe a fatherly figure. Sometimes the Hierophant to me can represent um, an, an authority in a very literal sense, like you've got like uh, the Pope, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. you've got it. You've got somebody who's the head of some fraternal organization or something that exists uh, through the use of a doctrine. And uh, it can be a good and a bad thing. It can sometimes, to me, also mean like oppression or um, being uh, stuck in a stuffy environment where you can't uh, be creative. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's kind of like the PMRC of tarot cards. PMRC, the Parent uh, Parent Music Resource Coalition, or something. Oh, oh, yeah, the yes, yes. Tipper Gore's outfit, parental they... advisory sticker. Mm-hmm. I get you. Yep, can't allow anything <laughs> too new out there. Might shock <laughs> people, but you know. Doctrines exist for a reason, and older, uh, I shouldn't say older people, but more experienced people, you know, are looked up to for advice or for direction because, you know, they've been through it. And sometimes experience is the most valuable thing. Knowledge, education, these are all very important things. So if you want to learn uh, a certain trade or something, you have to initiate yourself into something and be taught by masters. Uh, otherwise, you'll never be one yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, hmm. I don't know. That's the idea behind the card, anyway. That's the... the. I was just... I was going to add, maybe, on a long enough time scale, or timeline, you could maybe uh, 
learn to master something by yourself, but uh, yeah, that's definitely like a, mm. a master and an apprentice sort of journeyman uh, setup. I mean, for anything that really takes skill, you got to learn from somebody. It it uh, even if you teach yourself, somebody still has you know. If you self taught like through reading or or watching videos of something, you still have to have somebody give you that knowledge. That's true. That's fair. But you know, self taught as well. Ten thousand hours. Did uh, you got anything else for the hierophant for tonight? No, but I'll tell you what, though. I do pull this card pretty often myself, personally, oh. yeah, in life. I find I, I, I pull the Hierophant um, pretty regularly. But uh, no, I don't have anything to add with this uh, powerful card, but somewhat mysterious, because it has sort of the elements of other cards like the Emperor and the Magician, and it's kind of a combination of those in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, if you would like to check out the new designs from this brand new deck, you can head over to zososcorner.substack.com, Z-O-S-O-S corner.substack.com. It's posted up there at the top of our show notes. Uh, the Substack contains pretty much everything that uh, we bring to you on a weekly basis. Got all of our notes, got extra artwork in there, We've got memes, we got links to videos that we play, all sorts of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that there's a, a hidden promo code in there for the behind the schemes dot threadless shop that Make Heroism and Mary Kate Ultra set us up with. Yes, indeed. Uh for those who don't know, we have uh some t shirts that we got going on through Make Heroism and MK Ultra and sites there. You can go to our zososcorner.substack.com and and just click the link and then go right there. You can see the shirts. and They're gorgeous. I just got my shirt in the mail and I'm so excited to get more. <laughs> I was wearing it around. I was showing it off. It's gorgeous. I had a dude stop me in a uh, record shop in Philly. Caused him to go out and pull out one of his albums that he had. Or excuse me, it was a piece of art that someone had drawn in 3D for him. <laughs> oh. I asked him if I could buy it and he said it was a gift. I was like, I get it. <laughs> Damn. That'd be funny though. I my friend painted this for me. It's it's my favorite thing ever, and I and I treasure it greatly. And you're like, I'll give you fifty bucks for it. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay, fine, sixty bucks. Okay, here you go. Nice. And, yeah, I love uh, my new shirt. Yeah, you get more. I want to get one of the uh, NPR logo ones. Yeah. Yes, that's definitely next on the list. But that code will get you. I believe it was $10 off, and there's a sale going on on top Ooh. of it, so get stacked. Mm. Get stacked, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, Junta, we got shirts now, dog. What? I get That's back right. Into- uh, yeah, let me. I can send you a link to that right now. Funny enough, we have the technology. Ooh. Imagine a world, if you will. Oh, shit. Where links fall out of the sky like rain. <laughs> links are falling like rain. Link rain, link rain. Reminds me of a Guar song called Maggots. Maggots, maggots. They're falling like rain. Oh, yeah. I've heard that one before. I was doing a listen through. 
All right, there you go. It was the second photo. I got to go and get the show notes updated so the they'll actually show up from week to week. But oh, hyperlink technology is so advanced. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, we should hit some boostergrams. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, we should. Because we had a couple come in while we were gone. And I believe the first one would have been from five days ago. It was Cotton Gin using CurioCaster, boosting the live tag, saying for episode 111, might, uh, I might add, saying, what's going on, mates? Well, nothing's going on with you, bro. <laughs> Nothing. What's up, dog? <laughs> what's going on? And then... Oh, ow. Up next was 33,000 sats from at Murray underscore N. Oh, thank you, Murray N. Generous. 33,000. Sexy boost. Yeah, sexy boost. Thank you, sir. And he was using uh, using Fountain for that one. Then we had 3333 from Harvat. He's boosting through CurioCaster. No note there. Hmm. Hmm. Next one was coming in at uh, from me, <laughs> I boosted the show. I was testing out. Uh, we have a new feature with the uh, with Gal, who is the IRC bot that hangs out in the green room on IRC. Gal, depending on what amount you boost, will now display corresponding gifts to the boost. <laughs> so, for example, if you boost twenty two hundred, not only do you get bolt. Two from Final Fantasy VI, but you'll get to see Bolt Two in action. You want to boost the goat? You get to see the boot the goat being boosted. You want to boost the gimp? You get to see the gimp. <laughs> yeah. Finally, he's he's been begging for a little spotlight, among other things. He's been begging for a spotlight. Yeah. There's a. Uh, yeah, pretty much all of the newer, minus the Alex Jones and the Jim Jones. The uh, what we did the new ones from last week. So. Um, damn, I should have put those back into the notes. Uh, but there's, there's some new ones to check out. It's all your three, three or six, 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 nine, 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 eight, 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 seven, 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 seven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We'll get a nice handy little graphic and make it simple. Make it a one-stop shop. You can just check out all the different things that you can do. And then coming in from tonight, uh, 6969 from Sir Spencer. He's boosting the live tag out of CurioCaster. Sir Spencer, 6969. Very nice. Very nice. He said, uh, <laughs> 69ing and running on empty, <laughs> but still boosting lit shit. Uh, well, job less for Spencer. Hopefully, <laughs> you get a little respite, you get a little juice in the tank. Yeah, man. we got an uwu boost, and we, uh, is, was that was just the one thing. We got uwu slash goat boost. I can't think of anybody that hits it harder than myself <laughs> when it comes to juggling plates. Uh, for is it like in general? I mean, uh, just with Spencer working multiple jobs and uh, two kids, or excuse me, three kids, and another one on the way, and. Man's up. Okay. Is a I thought man. you said you, you were saying that no one does it as hard as you. And I was like, are you talking about him or, or yourself? No, no. Spencer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's crushing it. Him and DeLorean, uh, they do a great job doing a bowl after bowl. If you're not familiar with that show, bowl after bowl, also very um, uh, enthusiastic in the podcast podcasting 2.0 sphere, and uh, also just just awesome people. We had a great time hanging with them uh, back in February, and then I might hang out with them in September. We'll see. That'll be fun. That'd be a really good time. And next in was Bully Seed sixty six sixty six, and uh, she's using Fountain and said, "I await, excuse me, I await the arrival of my next BTS T shirt." <laughs> me too, Dame B. Me too. Uh, gonna go on a <laughs> spending spree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, uh, it's very very generous of, uh, very very generous of of Bully Seed and of course of Make Heroism and Mary Kate Ultra. Next up, oh my goodness. You might want to sit down for this one. All right, I am seated. I am a seated. For 111,000 sats. Using the boost clit. It's Servo. Oh, yeah, Servo. And he said, big number, much significance. Mm, much significant. <laughs> Holy I just shit. posted another gold sticky onto the the bust, the servo bust that we have in the green room. Big gold star. Big gold star, right on the forehead. <laughs> and uh that's very kind. Uh, servo is, is one of the uh one of the, the freak of hazard elitists around here. I, I guess we, we still gotta work on this ranking system, but he, he's 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 an illumined one. I'm going to go find that bust a black and white striped tie, I think. I might oh, actually have one. Go. I might actually have one now, I think. Or about how about a checkered tie? A checkered tie. I got a plaid tie. A plaid tie? Okay. Because yeah. checkers and plaid, that'd be way more, uh, that'd be way more Masonic. Mm, that is true. That is if true. If we wanted to go that route. Yeah. Could find a yeah. black and white checkerboard tie. Yeah, that would totally exist. It's a ska tie. Yeah, that exists somewhere. Get a nice ska tie going. That's easy. Peasy. Well, thank you very much, Servo. We really appreciate it. Servo, that's very generous. I was excited about this one. It's episode 111 on 8-8-2022. Yeah. And, you know, we love repeating numbers around here. It's just something that we do. Don't ask questions. It's awesome. Uh, 1111, or I'm sorry, not 1111, 1111, Beautiful. Something Satan in there somewhere. Uh, who do we have in next? It was Bully Steed, 3333. She's using Fountain again. And she said, Boo, you have a good eye for a photo. I agree with Mama Berry. Love the Philly photos. Oh. Oh. Thank you, Booty Steed. Well, you get excited, because I got a lot more that I didn't share. And yes, our booby does have a very fine eye for art. Gross. (laughs) My booby. Yeah, why can't I make that hunter money, huh? (laughs) That hunter money. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Rules of being rich. Step one, be rich. Step (laughs) two. Be son of politician. Be son of rich politician. Step three, be rich. 
Oh my goodness. And then uh the last one was uh Servo. He's testing out the the GIF boost uh with 6666 asking goat GIF. Goat GIF. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's yeah. already being implemented. Every week new features being thrown out there and and, and it's it's all it, it works. It works. God damn it. Uh yeah, and actually I did post some last week, so yeah, 2200, 7, 77, 77, 88, 88, 99, 99, 2, 22, 22, and then lastly, 36, uh, 36,500. Mm-hmm. Yes, numbers bump, are hard. Bump boost. Oh, no, that's different from the bump boost, because the bump boost is going to be 3,500, because it's... Th- oh, you said 25. Th- 3,600, 3, oh, my God. You said th- three, three, uh, 36,500. 36,500, 365, got you. Not 350. Oh, Lord. Numbers. I know. The boost a bump is 35,000. Right. Eight ball. Eight ball. Ew. Uh, yeah. Nudepodcastapps.com. Uh, if you want to get in on this action, you are quite um, metaphysically denying yourself one half of the show by choosing to listen to us through Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Or Google. So mm-hmm. if you want to see the art that we produce every week, just scroll by as you're listening. Or if you want to boost us, nude podcast apps is the way that you want to go. And uh, Yes, indeed. I mean, no discrimination. If you're listening on, on Apple or Spotify, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. But if you do want to have access to more uh, elements of the show, it is absolutely free of charge for you to just go find a nude podcast app and uh, and enjoy the, the little secrets it's the little things you know the little things yep and you know there there will come a day it's not a matter of if but when i just seen that uh, canary cries uh news radio news talk just got pulled off of a uh, youtube and twitch and oh no way did they get canceled i know how can this happen what? Who does that? Nobody gets canceled around here. Uh, uh. So yeah, you know, just uh, make sure you at least know how to copy and paste an RSS feed, at the very least. <laughs> that'll that'll get you that'll get you going. If you're a podcaster, of course. And uh, uh, this is a value 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 for value production. So uh, we just put everything out on the air. Hope you enjoy it. We do it for free, so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, we don't have to do any super weak ad reads or have to, you know, do any whoring of any kind in that in that way, shape, or form. And it allows us to talk about the things that we really want to talk about, things that we feel are very important one way or another, even if sometimes they are a little bit uh, absurd. Mm. We do like the absurdity. Yes. Spread your cheeks. Oh, give it to me. Give it to me, and then I'll really give it to you, okay? <laughs> All these goats are retarded. Do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore, and uh, end of story. Roll out the MPO. Great. <laughs> 
She's a punk rocker. Well, that sounded different. A little tinny, but it, the uh, the message is all the same. The phone number that you can call and leave us a scream mail on our scream line is 612-263-7999. And if you do that, uh, we'll play your voicemail on the air. If you have any questions or any comments or concerns about any of the things we talk about, or if you just want to speak your mind, or maybe uh, you've had a hard day and you want to get it out with a nice scream, well, you can give us a call, 612-263-7999. Hey, it's the BTS boys. Listen, you may be behind the schemes, but you're going to need facts if you're going to make any sense of it. Shazam! Fact delivery for you! Fact number one, <laughs> iRobot has been acquired by Amazon. Fact number two, BattleBots ended its first run conveniently, just as the Roomba launched. Please get us the medication. Friday will be declared a national holiday. Fact, Amazon will hold you hostage with battle Roomba robots to ensure you buy petrochemicals on this new holiday. Hey, it's just all public information. I'm just putting the facts out there. Think about it. God bless. Oh, I like the facts spitting, man. Thanks for the facts. Job bless, caller. Yeah, see? that what That's what makes this so special. Yeah, we're getting real information, man. Straight from the source, man. And I was a huge fan of BattleBots. I that's what I wanted to do when I was oh, a yeah, kid. Oh yeah, BattleBots was the was dope. Yeah, dude. Steel mm. on steel. Steel on steel. You get these little wishy gidgets floating around with saws and hammers and all kinds of crap. And then every once in a while, some poor bastard would put on a completely useless flamethrower that looked cool but didn't actually do anything. Ah, uh, it was a beautiful <laughs> time. <laughs> And uh, Net Net was sneaking in there with sixteen fifty. He got the uh, please get us some medication. Jim Jones boost saying, "Cook cane, cook cane, yeah." Sixteen fifty. Thank you, Net Net. Oh, That's very kind you. of you. Oh yeah, I do cook cane. I do Net Net. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Cook <laughs> yeah. Was it Jed? <laughs> Why am I with Ned Ned? Yeah, thank you, Sir Ned Ned. That is. Let's see, we can do another one. This one's a little on the longer side. Mm, that's what she said. Hit it. You are listening to Behind the Schemes with Lavish. Oh, shit. Hey. I'm sorry, that was me. What you do that for? You are listening to Behind the Schemes with Lavish and Blueberry. Yeah, buddy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to switch up the pace here a little bit. Uh, not so much for Scream, but uh, my little nephew, uh, like he just has a few words and stuff like that. You know, he's not talking much uh, at his uh, young age. But anyway, uh, so uh, like even if he's crying sometimes, he got hurt or just crying because his age, uh, you can usually distract him for a little bit. And then he also does doesn't when he's happy, but you just be like, say his name, and they're like, what does Compre say? And he'll be like, rawr, 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 rawr. And he kind of makes his big old mouth gesture thing. So it's, rawr, 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 rawr. So, not sure why. I've only seen that movie once or twice, or a couple of times, maybe Seven Dwarfs. So I don't know if Compre actually like makes that noise or if it's just something that the family did or whatever, but it's pretty cute. And <laughs> yeah. Got a little scream-ish. 
Yes. But, uh, you know, well, I mean, you don't know, but it's how it goes. So, all right, Will. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess I could be like, when I'm running and I'm almost getting done, I'm like, man, my pace is slow. It is, I need to be doing something else to, to pick up this, this routine runs that I got going. And, uh, I just, I hear the time in my head. I'm like, ah! But I just keep running, you know. And, mm. uh, then I sell, figure something out and then rinse a lot of repeat and, uh, the time gets slower. So, yeah. Uh, curious. Uh, you guys ever listen to Fun Fact Friday on episode 100? It's a doozy. Anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. That Andrus. Love you guys. And from the back, from the back, we need to hear it from the back. Yep, <laughs> mm-hmm. back there. Come on, come on. All right, yep. <laughs> yeah. I do remember Color filling the room with that bacab. I do remember the uh, episode 100 of Fun Fact Friday, and I seem to recall a uh, a shockingly normal-voiced Christopher Battles calling in. <laughs> shockingly normal voice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I recall as well. well it's a good it's funny when you call in with a... Some people call in with... Because people have natural accents, and then they call in with other accents. And it's... Uh, Sometimes they really mask who they are. Sometimes it really works. No doubt. Uh, we had a message come in. And a text message? A text message on the voicemail line, which you can do. You can text 612-263-7999 if you choose uh, to do so. Um, and it said Howard Dean, by the way. Howard, Howard Dean. Howard Dean, by the way. Howard Dean, by the way, that was the message. Yes. Howard Dean. You know who Howard Dean is? I do not. And then we're going to go with the... Then we're going to go to Arkansas. Yeah! Oh, Right? Yes. Wasn't that Howard Dean? Yeah. Or is it another Dean that I'm thinking the of? The Scream That Doomed Howard Dean. Yes. Shall yes. We, shall we play it? Sure. You got it sitting around? I think so. Let's see. You know something? You know something? If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! Yeah! What a different time that was <laughs> when that's all it took for your whole political career to derail. And he became, he became a, a big meme at a very formative time for memes in general. Yep. Back when memes Bad were timing, very new. Buddy. Bad timing. Yeah, just sometimes, you know, you, you got caught in the, like the Star Wars kid. Yep. You know, you just forever immortalizes this thing because the internet was just so basic back then that that was all you needed to get people to, to crack up and like talk about a meme. <laughs> and now with the president that we've got, this guy does something like that before he wakes up in the morning. You know, this guy's a gaff machine. Yep. And then and then Chappelle did it on Chappelle's show with his Bia! 
Oh. <laughs> Which really immortalized it forever. Yeah. <laughs> Toast. <laughs> Fatology. Yeah. If you made it on the Chappelle show, you're done. Rick James, Prince. Yeah. Just, totally uh-huh. changed the entire public perception of that thing. <laughs> Finish him. Fatality. Perfect. Perfect. Per- flawless victory. Flawless, flawless victory. Flawless victory. Liu Kang wins. Yeah, Liu Kang always wins. <laughs> Howard Dean, thanks for the throwback, Texter. No doubt. And uh, let's see here. I think that uh, we'll leave some of the other voicemails that we got. For mm-hmm. top of intermission, 612-263-7999, if you yes. want to get in on that action. We can always use a few more. Uh, we'd love to hear your beautiful voices. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, if you're hanging out live, which we do the show every Monday night at 7.30, Eastern, respectively, if you're hanging out in the chat room and you want to help us clip the show as part of our post-production, remember to spam that ISO. Spam that ISO uh, in the uh, in the chats. ISO horny. I don't know if you can say that anymore. I just did. I just did. Well, I think we're gonna have to take the four sided die and roll for the lowest uh, to see if you can actually duck all of this. Well, if anyone has any complaints, <laughs> lavish it behind the schemes dot com. Let and, me know. Uh, uh, lowest gets to pick. How about that? Okay, lowest gets to pick. All right. So funky. That's the funky shit. Mm, no doubt. I don't know, well, man. I got pretty. I rolled low. a one. I rolled a one too. You rolled a one as well. Oh my god! So we got to re-roll. Sudden death roll. Sudden death roll. Sudden death. <laughs> I got a three. I got a one. <laughs> Double ones. Snake eyes. Snake eyes. My man Booberry loves ones, you know, those those lineys, you know. Mm-hmm. Little little snooters. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sorry, am I Never mind. Nicks, what are you doing here? We're gonna edit all this out. Whole yeah, thing's gonna be redacted. Not, no, no. No. Um, I'm kinda curious about uh what you got here with the Fink. Uh, you ever heard of the you like the Finkster? I, I think I might like the Finkster. Have you ever heard of this guy? I don't know. Larry well, Fink. Larry. F- oh, yeah, I know Larry Fink. Larry. 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 Yeah. Larry Fink. I feel bad calling this guy Larry because we know so many great Larrys. And this guy, he's kind of a piece of work. I call him the Fink. And, uh, yeah, they've talked about him, I guess, sometimes. But he's a very powerful man. And he is not very well known. And uh, there was uh, just a lot of talk about, I don't know, there's a lot of talk about, we've talked about ESG, and that's obviously a big topic on No Agenda, and it's something that even uh, Adam brought up with Joe Rogan, and they had an at-length discussion on on ESG. Do you know what ESG is? Environmental Social Governance. Governance. 
Yes, or guidance. Guidance. Yeah, governance. Yeah, it's the idea that these massive conglomerates, these these investment management companies that have trillions of dollars worth of of assets, which really means that they just they own a lot of the businesses and a lot of the things that that are in our lives that we kind of take for granted. Um, every little consumer industry company you can think of, from you know GE to whatever, is <laughs> it's usually owned by a giant giant company uh, that um, that will issue this. They'll buy the stock for ETFs and things like that. Vanguard is one of them. These companies that have just massive influence over the business world and they get more and more powerful every year because they just they have a business model where they they consolidate this power and there isn't really anybody that can out uh, spend them and this guy the fink the finkster he is the uh, founder and head of blackrock which definitely has been talked about uh, in a few circles around here blackrock blackstone um <laughs> Blackwater is the uh, is the mercenary group, but whenever you've got uh, a company that has the black and then whatever, it's it's pretty satany. And uh, if you look into it, it usually has ties with the highest levels of government and with um, the people that hang out in secret societies and pour blood on each other. And Hi- hypothetically speaking, what do you think our black name would be? Hmm. Black Pyramid, or... Ooh, I like that uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Black Temple. Mm. <laughs> Getting spicy. Black Church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, one reoccurring thing that I see every time I'm in Philly is the, uh, the Black Is- Israelites. Black Israelites. And they had a sign that said uh, the... KK or the KKK planned parenthood, but it was clanned parenthood. Clanned parenthood. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> I was like, oh, I had the pictures and everything. Clanned uh, parenthood. That's uh, <laughs> that would be a title in in a better world, a potential show title for tonight. <laughs> but no, no deal. I like what Sir Spencer Black D twenty Black Dice would probably be a good one. If we're still thinking about uh, hypotheticals for our company. Yes. And then Junta also says, uh, he astutely observes that Blackwater is a subsidiary of Halliburton, which is uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, a defense company. A big old defense contractor. And a lot of um, Blackwater, I mean, it's changed its name to something else now, but the same guy, uh, I think his name is Prince, uh, runs it. And it's just, uh, it's it's elitist mercenary it's an elitist mercenary group that go around and they, they do kind of rough um, clandestine operations around the world in the name of the United States, but not, they're not the United States military. Like if the, if the military wants to go and interject somewhere, but they can't get the support of Congress, they can't get public support. Then they'll send a mercenary group and they'll say, well, it's a private contractor. So that's ridiculous. Yeah. Name one time, one time. See, you can't. <laughs> One time what? <laughs> <laughs> that mercenaries were sent in to do the job of the U.S. government. Oh, I'm sure we can find a few examples. <laughs> I'm sure South America has something to say on the matter. 
Um, yes, yes, yeah, indeed. I'm a guy working for the CIA. Hooray. For the USA. <laughs> yeah. When you go shop at the Banana Republic, I want you to remember where that term came from. All right. Well, anyway, we're talking about Larry Fink. The Fink, who is a very, 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 very powerful guy. With, with BlackRock, he has stake in all of the major companies, all of, all of the ones that matter in the United States and throughout the world. And in a lot of ways, uh, he is, sets the tone for the investment world at the highest level. So when you have a business, when you want to start a business or when you want to expand a business, um, the, your main tool for that is borrowing money. It's, it's, we don't live in a world very much anymore where companies slowly accrue capital over time and then reinvest in this, in today's climate, it's all funny money and it's all, Hey, if we can, you know, borrow a billion dollars instead of waiting around to earn it, then we can just get right to business. We can start, investing in the in the revenue generating uh, areas that we need to focus on so that we can make that money back and we'll just pay it back down the road and yeah it's whatever a, it's a house of playing cards yeah it's it's a constant i mean it's its own version of a ponzi scheme in a way um and this man is in control of somewhere between tw- 10 and 12 trillion dollars of assets that's with a t so this guy, in a way, is a trillionaire. And with certain personalities that you always see that are trying to push things, like, for example, Bill Gates, who Larry Fink definitely knows and he, and he operates with. But Bill Gates, you know, he's known as the big billionaire philanthropist running around trying to stick his fingers in everyone's business. But he's very public about it. And part of his aspect is, is marketing himself. You know, Bill Gates himself is a product. Mm-hmm. separate from Microsoft or whatever. And with Fink, you have a guy who, in my opinion, probably has more control over more things than, than Gates does because he literally owns the stock to all these companies. And he, uh, he has this sort of ESG philosophy that he's doing now, which is a phony baloney way of, of forcing companies to comply with an agenda that is under the guise of you know social justice or being environmentally conscious but really it's just it's just f- funny ways of of controlling everything and if you don't play by their rules then you don't get the funding you don't get and and if he pulls out by the way if say the company is he's invested in the company and they screw up and they do something that he thinks is you know racist or sexist or or is a uh, you know, environmentally unfriendly, then he will sell stock. You say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to dump you and I'm going, and their, their stock price will be hurt just from them selling alone. But then everybody else follows suit because they're the biggest fish. And a lot of the time, you know, the smart money is, is banking on that sort of thing. They're looking at what, what changes the tide are coming. And uh, if BlackRock dumps a bunch of stock, well, then everybody else is going to as well. So to piss them off is, essentially suicide, corporate suicide. On top of that, he also sits on some of our favorite uh, little uh, institutions, uh, Boo Berry. He sits on the Council of Foreign Relations on mm-hmm. the board, and he also sits on the board of the World Economic Forum <gasps> with our boy Klaus. Wow. Who I'm stunned. I know, right? <laughs> like these guys hang out. 
These are shocking allegations. <laughs> Did you know that billionaires hang out with other billionaires and like, I don't know, drink and have, but I have always, great time? I always thought it was completely absurd that, you know, that these mega, mega trillionaire douchebags who literally control everything because they don't pay taxes, they that they never like communicated ever, that they didn't share fucking cell phone numbers at the very least, but here they are, and they're on the same boards of the Council of Foreign Relations and the fucking World Economic Forum, and they're probably sharing emails back and forth together. Mm-hmm. And their people probably talk to their other people. Have <gasps> your people talk to my people, that sort of thing. Whoa, and then, like, when they get back, they, in and of themselves, like, Fink's probably got an assistant or two. He's like, hey, type this up to for me. Like, get this memo ready. Yeah. He, he tells... uh the diversity hire at the office. The diversity hire? Gavis. Dude, whoever his secretary is is just like, oh, I, I type things you, up. I get paid $500,000 a year to be a secretary. I don't know, so. think, I don't know if that word's allowed anymore. BlackRock might pull out of us. Oh, I'm sorry. A Someone who identifies as a assistant to uh, someone who is a, I don't know. I, I can't keep up. I got to read his book. He Stewart. probably has a book about all these about all these terms. Stewardess, please. Stewardess. <laughs> write write this memo, wench. <laughs> but then it gets turned around and, and disseminated. So it goes from it one gets person to four Ooh, people to like sixteen people. Mm-hmm. It just travels. And they tell trickles, two people. Trickles they tell down. two people. Who tells two people? I know. And so on, and so on. It's so kind of like how a Ponzi scheme <laughs> runs. Yeah, that Ponzi guy, man, he, he knew what was up. And he's a world class magician. Speaking of uh, funny money, so we'll we'll get into kind of the history of this guy, but he's a funny money master. That's what he. That's that's most self made billionaires that you find. They are investment guys who are just weasels, mm. and they figured something out and they exploited the hell out of it. And it especially shows that this guy's a funny money master because his net worth, and all the greatest billionaires really have a very phony net worth that it's on the official record. How much do you think that this man who is in charge of $10 trillion worth of assets, how much do you think his net worth is estimated at? Mm, under $50 million. $1 billion. Damn, I was way off. You were, but that's okay. <laughs> you weren't really that far off in the scheme of fucking... Is he worth $5 billion, $10 billion, $15 billion? No, he's worth $1 billion, despite the fact... And you'll find this with uh, John D. Rockefeller as well, the head of the Rockefeller family. Even though his grandfather was the first billionaire to ever exist, somehow this guy only has a billion dollars. Okay, sure. So these guys, they, they move their money around a lot. Uh, he's uh, particularly interested in art. He oh. has a, a, a theory that art is actually the, one of the most solid um, investments that you can make. He thinks that art appreciates far more than, than gold or any currency or any stock or bond. He thinks that art is the way. Art and real estate are the, the two things that are always going up, no matter what. So, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. The more you know. And the more you know, and knowing is half the battle. They uh, love sucking Satan's cock. Oh, they are Satan's cock. 
They like they like bundle up together in a giant uh, ball. They're like, look at us, we're Satan's cock. <laughs> a bundle of sticks. A bundle, more, yes, more, more a lot like of it. sticks in that bundle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where does a man like Larry Fink come from? A man to come to have such a massive amount of assets and influence over the world. Well, let's look at his beginnings with Fink One Beginnings. After getting an MBA degree from UCLA, Fink takes a job at a leading investment bank, First Boston, as a bond trader. It was a perfect time to get into the bond business. In the early 70s, bonds only began to be actively traded. Larry Fink excels at this job. He rapidly rises through the ranks, becoming the youngest manager at his department. Started First Boston in 1976. I was the first Freddie Mac bond trader, and so the mortgage market was just if it's infancy. And then in 1982, we had the ability to put a PC on our trading desk. Before that, you had no ability to put a computer on a trading desk. And it was very clear to me that if we could have computing power on the trading desk, we were going to have the ability to dissect cash flows of, of mortgages. And we were the most profitable component of First Boston in '83 and '84 and '85. By 1983, the American economy had rebounded from a decade-long recession. The highest order of business before the nation is to restore our economic prosperity. After taking over the presidency, Reagan worked to boost the economy. He starts cutting taxes and deregulating Wall Street, creating a perfect environment for financial innovations. One of such is the mortgage-backed securities. Simply put, they bundle millions of mortgages and turn them into securities. That can be traded by any investor. Larry Fink was one of the architects behind this financial innovation, which 20 years later morphed into an economic bomb. But in the meantime, Larry sells these newly minted securities to large investors like pension funds and endowments, generating tens of millions of fees for First Boston. Hmm, economic bomb doesn't sound so pleasant. He's referring to the '08 crash. Oh, I would hate to think that Larry Fink had some part to play in that. Oh, he had quite the part to play. As a matter of fact, you could even call him the playwright. Oh my goodness! He he set the stage.、Uh, the the O eight crash, in a nutshell, was about、um, them bundling these mortgages up and and presenting them as a sort of a high value thing. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but these these mortgage-backed securities they they are they're very valuable. You know, you get a mortgage and you have to pay on that mortgage. You bundle up those mortgages together, and you have a massive amount of cash flow if you have a good set of mortgages with people who are actually paying them, right? Right. And so, if you have a, a bundle of really high-end mortgages that are, that's giving you this cash flow, then they're given a high rating, a triple A, double A. And the issue with the O eight crash. Is they started bundling shitty mortgages in with the good ones and calling them good, and the, the, there was a lot of kind of fraud, and there was not as much cash flow coming in, and anybody who wanted a mortgage could go out and get it.、Um, when he mentioned Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were a very revolutionary sort of、uh, idea in finance at the time, where the government was issuing mortgages. So back in the day, if you wanted to buy a house, you wanted to get a mortgage, you had to go through a local bank,、uh, or you had to go through a financial institution.、Uh, but when they created Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you could get that mortgage through the government. The government had its own financial institution that handled that thing. And then what they would do, what this guy did at 
Freddie Mac is he would then bundle up these mortgage-backed securities and then sell them to banks or sell them to who, whatever investment firm wanted them because they are a cash-generating investment. Um, and when the 08 crisis happened, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac crumbled and the whole system kind of collapsed underneath itself. And uh, we're still kind of in the wake of that. I have an um, ISO here in honor of that, the uh, 2008 crash. Sounds fucked up to me. <laughs> Whoever that guy is, he's right. Uh, so he, in, in a lot of ways, is he's one of the first guys that handled these. Uh, they're called CMOs now. Collateralized Mortgage Obligations. Uh, of the pool of mortgages bundled together, sold as an investment. He, he kind of, in a way, helped write the book on, on these things. And the people who, who made money in 08 are the ones who created ways to short that, to short these, the CMO industry uh, where, where they could. You know, they'd pick and choose what to short. Um, but Fink lost a ton of money before this. He worked with First, Nash, uh, First Boston, uh, which used to exist. It used to be a big investment bank, an old-timey American one, obviously out of Boston. But uh, he, uh, he screwed up, and he, and he lost a shitload of money. If you could play uh, Fink 2, Rise and Fall, First Boston. At the time, First Boston was at the top of the investment banking industry, specializing in mergers and acquisitions. After creating $1 billion profit for the firm, Larry Fink becomes the most profitable man at First Boston. When you're at that level and you've had all of that success and you have all of this money, there's a mindset that you're almost invincible. Mm. But then he loses $100 million in just one quarter of 1986. So you could work a lifetime creating wealth under certain assumptions that something can't happen. And then bang! You're everything, you've lost everything for your whole lifetime because you thought it couldn't music. happen. That is a year before the infamous Black Monday crash. And the market was still in a euphoric state because everyone was making money. Unless you're hedged for events like Black Monday, whatever alpha you, you, you think you're going to get, you're not going to get it. When you started having those types of successes, the firm gave you more capital. We were taking bigger and bigger risks without the attended risk technology to navigate that risk. Uh, and in the second quarter, 1986, we lost $100 million. On Wall Street, one big loser can erase all your winners. The same is true for reputation. Although he wasn't fired, but he was sidelined. All of a sudden, people don't want to be seen with him anymore. He becomes the untouchable. The message is clear. It is time to quit. The trouble is, with tarnished reputation, no investment bank will want to hire him. Mm, this doesn't work. Well. I know. I hope he does okay. Yeah. How can he ever recover for, from this? Jeez, poor guy. Does he get a chance at a redemption arc? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Booberry. I'm so glad you asked. It turns out that he has a very good friend. In the diamond business, he has not in the diamond business. That was a that was a, a a reference to another ad, which I I shouldn't talk about ads, but it's a local classic. Um, no, he he f has a friend uh, in the bond business named Peter Schwartzman. Now you probably haven't heard of Peter Schwartzman, but uh, he's kind of a well known figure on Wall Street. 
Uh, he is the chairman and the CEO of Blackstone. I have heard of Peter Schwartzman. Have you? I have. Because mm. back on, if I'm not mistaken, I think I even dropped a link to it earlier. Uh, St- I have actually, ooh, Steve oh, I'm Schwartzman. I'm sorry, Steve, Steve Schwartzman, not Peter Schwartzman, Steven Schwartzman. My bad. Back on, uh, what episode was it? 91. What was the name of this one? Croatoan. Croatoan. Uh, yeah, we were talking about Blackstone going up and gobbling a bunch of uh, music catalogs for big artists and like, uh, yes, you that's know, right. Springsteen sold out. Oh my goodness. Uh, sold Ooh, sold into them. And uh, yeah, they, they as, from what I remember, they kind of uh, formed out of each other. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking about Blackrock. Blackrock formed out of Blackstone. Mm hmm. That's right. Uh, this is in the mid '80s. Uh, Blackstone wasn't quite what it is now. It's still pretty fresh. It was established in 1985, and they weren't operating at nearly the scale that they're operating on now. Uh, but he was uh, CEO Lemon Brothers, and he was uh, uh, he. Oh, I'm sorry. He established it with a former CEO of Lemon Brothers, uh, Peter Peterson, who was also U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Under uh, Clinton, maybe I forget exactly who, but um, Steve Schwartzman and uh, Larry Fink go into business together. Uh, I believe that Schwartzman gives him a five million dollar line of credit, which obviously is like almost nothing. Yeah, <laughs> in this world, but chump change. <laughs> it's nothing. It's laughable. Five million dollars is so little money in that in that s- sphere. Um, also, another thing about Steve Schwartzman. I don't know why I wrote it as Peter. I got to change that in the notes. Steve Schwartzman uh, is also a member of Skull and Bones, and he went to Yale. <laughs> FYI. The more would you be, know. I would be remiss, Sir Booberry, if I didn't uh, point that out. Uh, so Schwartzman gets with him, and they, they work together for a few years, and um, they turn that $5 million into $8 billion. Uh, and, come with, Sorry. Over over five years? Over the course of like five to seven years. Okay. Wow. They 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 turn that five million into roughly eight billion dollars worth of assets, which again isn't personal money of theirs. It's just that's what the company's value is, that's what they are managing. Um they involved themselves in the they made a lot of money from this mortgage backed securities situation, and as the clip said, uh under the Reagan administration, Wall Street just had had never had less uh, constraint. They had less restraint. They 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 had a free reign in a way that they you know had never really had before. Open the floodgates and whatnot. Yeah, this is Wolf of Wall Street time. This is when Wall Street turned from a stuffy, boring accountant job into you know being the American psycho, testosterone fueled, <laughs> fucking psychotic nightmare that it is today. And this is this is where it's happening. And this guy is a, is a key player at that. And this is kind of his prime, you know, is when he's doing all this stuff. A lot, but, of, uh, a lot of quaaludes. A lot of quaaludes. And a lot of a lot of uh, liquor, liquor, baby. <laughs> quite quite the parties going on around here. But this guy's making a killing, and uh, with this guy at kind of at the helm, and and he's getting the sense like, okay, I've got this company where I want it to be. Now I really want to 
you know, do my own thing and have have autonomy over this company. But he's got this darn Steve Schwartzman guy who's like, hey, I gave you that $5 million. Remember me? You owe me all this shit. And uh, he says, uh, well, screw that. I got to get rid of this guy. If you can play Fink 4, PNC buys out Schwartzman. Um, now, we did skip... No, a oh, we did. Three. We did. We let's let's play three and, and give Peter Schwartz or fucking Peter. Gotta get mad at this. Steve Schwartzman. Let's give him a little love. Think three. Steve Schwartzman, the founder of Blackstone, is one of the most powerful figures on Wall Street. In his 30 years reign, he turned Blackstone into the biggest private equity company in the world. But by 1988, Blackstone was still a lesser-known consulting firm. And like Fink, Steve Schwartzman was a castaway. He was a rising star in Lehman Brothers on his way to become the CEO. But due to a nasty power struggle, he was forced to leave the company. I, I saw a lot of behavior uh, that I didn't like. And so decided to go out and do something uh, with my partner who'd been thrown out the year before by the management that went in and ultimately blew up the company. In 1988, Blackstone just started as a private equity business and barely completed its first deal. But Steve Schwarzman is already thinking big by expanding the company to more areas. And he's considering a wealth management business. One of the reasons why Schwarzman was so successful is that he has an eye for talent. He knows how to hire the best people. We wanted to attract somebody to run it who was a 10 on a scale of 10. Because you'll find in your careers if you're a 10, God bless you, you'll be wildly successful. If you attract 10s, they always make it rain if you need rain. Um, and they just have an ability to sense problems, design solutions, do new things. And that's what a 10 does. And Larry Fink is a 10. He's a ten. After meeting Fink, <laughs> Schwarzman decided to start a joint venture called Blackstone Financial Management by investing $5 million with Fink. Some of my thoughts and, and, and I, told it, I told the story to uh, Steve Schwartzman and Pete Peterson and uh, they loved it and they, they had more confidence in me than I had myself. They wanted to go right ahead and we did that and it all, you know, we started making, we actually started making money in, within two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. You made $8 billion in like five years, so obviously things were in motion. I like that quote about, uh, you know, if you're a 10, then you'll, you'll, you'll succeed and you'll go far. But if you're the type of person that will attract 10s, <laughs> you're just going to make it rain. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a talent in recognizing talent. And there's a talent in surrounding yourself with people who work together and, and are, are that guy. They're that dude, you know what I mean? Or that lady that you make it happen, you know, for yourself. And they're some of the great, great leaders of time uh, are, are like that. Abraham Lincoln is, is one president I can think of that was, I think, very good at that, at sussing out good talent and, and making do with the talent that he had, you know. That's definitely a skill to have. So this guy has that skill, allegedly. Um, and he, he's got this guy. But this Larry Fink guy, he's a very ambitious fella. You know, he, he really, really is, is a hungry, hungry 10. And he, he wants BlackRock all for himself. 
uh, if you can play Fink 4. Fink is now back on the top. He recognizes that in order to grow bigger, his company needs to offer more stock options to attract talented people. He demands、mm. Schwarzman to give up some of Blackstone's ownership. To his great disappointment, Steve Schwarzman rejected his plan. Both Steve Schwarzman and Larry Fink are highly competitive Type A people, but Steve Schwarzman is an investment banker, while Fink is more of a trader. Steve Schwarzman, he's unusually conservative, actually unusually risk-averse for a successful entrepreneur and investor. This was a visceral thing, like a primal impulse not to lose money. After being rejected by Steve Schwarzman for his proposal, Fink is determined to completely sever ties with the firm by finding a buyer to purchase Blackstone's ownership. As Schwarzman is going through a divorce in his personal life, the news that Fink wants to leave Blackstone sent him into a frenzy. Ego is a great thing in business. An ego. You show me a titan of industry, and I'll show you somebody with a big ego. But on Wall Street, everything has a price, including ego. Way to borrow is now even better because the rate on a PNC bank equity line of credit just took a tumble. PNC Bank stands for Pittsburgh National Corporation, a finance group with a long history and lineage. In 1991, PNC was on a buying spree, acquiring dozens of smaller firms. It is a perfect buyer for Fink to get rid of Blackstone's control. They offer hundreds of millions of dollars to buy out Blackstone's stake. Think about this: Steve Schwarzman and Fink started this business with just about five million dollars. That is a huge return in just five years. Although Steve Schwarzman is still hesitant, the money is just too good to ignore. He agrees to sell the asset management business to PNC. This is the biggest mistake in Schwarzman's career. At the time, even he couldn't foresee. That this side business of Blackstone will someday become a financial giant that dwarfs even Blackstone itself. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the companies that I used to work for was、uh, bought by. Oh God, I can't. I can never remember if it was Blackstone or BlackRock, but the、uh, theme park. They were.、Uh, uh, Bush Gardens was acquired from Anheuser Busch, the family, and、uh, it was purchased by I think BlackRock. Mm-hmm. And then they turned around and sold it or lent it to Sea World.、Mm, yeah, so they lease it out, but they actually own it and they own the land. And I think. Well, that sounds about right. I mean, they do that with everything, and then they also do that with、um, with residential real estate. I mean, they'll buy houses and、uh, lease them back out. They're they're in the in the game of owning things. <laughs> <laughs> With just this giant pile of capital, their whole existence is just to use the money, the absurd amount of money they have, to buy more assets that they can make more. And it's just this perpetual. It's great. It's fantastic.、Um, but these things they don't last forever. And and all every corporation you know that sees this kind of success, they eventually get to a point where they have stagnant growth, where they can't get any bigger. And The company, I think, right now is is sort of at that point, and、um, it'd be the perfect time and situation for this guy if he if he wanted to, which I don't think he's the type of guy to do this. But if he were to walk away, it would be the perfect time to. You establish this thing, you create this titan, 
and then you leave before the before things get messy. <laughs> yeah, before you have to deploy that golden parachute. Yeah, exactly. But for these guys, I mean, it's about money, but it's about more than money. It's money isn't like money is, and you use it to to buy things. It's points, you know, on a scoreboard, and more than anything else, it's it's an idea more than an actual. Usable. I, that's just the way I put it. I mean, I know that's very dumb because these guys they live a very crazy lifestyle. But but once you reach a certain threshold, you know. So anyway, PNC buys out Schwartzman, uh, which gives Fink uh, unilateral control over Black Rock, and now he's free to do his funny money business. He's able to engage in uh, what are considered very risky ventures with uh, these mortgage-backed securities as well as, as, a, as a vehicle. He, he's the guy on that. He's the expert on that. And he wants to establish himself as the, the go-to guy for mortgage-backed securities. And he finds an opportunity to do that through one of the biggest companies in America at the time, and probably still is, General Electric. Mm. They, they need him to come in, and they need him to, uh, to clean up a little mess of theirs, if he can play Fink 5. Now free to build BlackRock any way he likes, Fink is holding nothing back. But to win, he must find an edge that others don't have. And it will come from an unexpected place. Remember our old kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Smile. Under the leadership of Jack Welch, GE started an explosive growth. Fueled by easy money in the mid-80s, General Electric ventured into new industries, including news and finance. The company bought Kidder Peabody, a once respected investment bank, but was later found guilty of insider trading and accounting fraud. Once Welch realizes how deeply in trouble his new firm is, he decides to sell it to virtually anyone willing to buy. Pineweber, another investment bank, is willing to acquire Peabody from GE, but not its toxic bond portfolio, which consists of $10 billion worth of CMOs a type of mortgage securities. These derivatives are notorious for their complexity. Welch was a brilliant manager, but he was no finance expert. He frantically tried to get rid of the toxic assets left by Peabody, but due to the complexity of the portfolio, no Wall Street firm wants to touch it, except BlackRock. As the pioneer of CMOs, Fick realizes if BlackRock can help GE properly evaluate the assets, that he is set to make a huge profit, and it will also be a breakout moment. Fink's team of quantitative analysts works tirelessly for weeks to reevaluate the portfolio and to repackage them into a new set of derivative assets. BlackRock helped GE gradually unload the assets and recover their value with minimal loss. If you're confused about what he did and how he did it, you're not alone. Yeah. It's called financial engineering. It's about packaging, restructuring existing securities into new ones. While some of these securities are indeed valuable, they're only available to big players in finance. But in the early 1990s, the financial engineering becomes Larry Fink's number one competitive edge. That sounds like a small group of people controlling a lot of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and being it, only only the highest investment platforms in the land get access to genuinely 
profitable prime mortgage-backed securities. And then the way that they kind of describe it, he does what, what ended up imploding in 2008, which is he took all of these super risky, super lousy assets and then just repackaged them and rebranded them in a way that made them look like they were worth something and then sold them off bit by bit and uh, was able to come back into the black and be the only guy, you know, at, at the time and in the place to be able to accomplish that. So he had the funny money skills to make it happen. And that's the beginning of what became a, his bread and butter. And, uh, and it eventually led to what it led to. So this is the guy who's telling all of us to invest with, you know, social justice and morality and, and good ethics in mind. This, you know, scumbag weasel finance guy who ripped off Lord knows how many people for Lord knows how many billions, maybe trillions of dollars. Um, yeah, let's see here. They also have a big connection with the government. BlackRock, as of right now, well, actually, back in 08, they were contracted by the Obama administration to help clean up the, the crash of 08. So you made this mess, you clean it up, and we'll pay you for both. <laughs> uh, although, and this is according to the wiki page, although BlackRock is widely believed to have been the best choice for the cleanup job, Fink's long-standing relationships with senior government officials have led to questions about potential conflicts of interest regarding government contracts awarded without competitive bidding. And as any company will know, a non-competitive government contract is the most lucrative contract you can possibly conceive of. If the government says, we're not going to bid it out, we're not going to go over, you don't have to compete, we're just going to say, hey, here's your lump sum, you know, whatever, get it done, they'll overpay you. You know, there's no negotiation, there's merely just handing over the money, you've got the job. Uh, a government contract like that, it's the most, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable boon for any any company. It's hard to imagine that they'd let billions of dollars just go missing in these budgets. Oh, yeah. For for contracts. <laughs> billions and billions. It reminds me of the, the website, the Obama website, where they paid whoever, whatever company, hundreds of millions of dollars to do a WordPress. And to do just the most simple, basic, cheap website you can imagine somebody got paid 300 million dollars for doing that that is a perfect example of your typical non-competitive government bid uh <laughs> so whereas you know if you if you set it out to bid then you've got another company shit you and i could have gone up to him and be like hey we'll do it for oh i don't know a million <laughs> we'll do it for 50 million dollars or whatever even though it's only going to cost us you know a couple hundred thousand at the most or a couple thousand really um, so this is the environment that they're operating in and they, and they get to just make a killing. Uh, but this guy does a lot to cultivate relationships with the government in particular with the democratic party. This guy's a lifelong Democrat. He's donated ungodly sums of money to every Democrat in office since Reagan left. And, uh, he was real and tight with the Clintons and he gave them a lot of money. And then with Obama, he was, he was hiring a lot of people that were involved in their camp. Um, he, he really wanted to, apparently really wanted to be Obama's treasury secretary. Um, but he instead hired whoever came off, like, for example, uh, Cheryl Mills, who was uh, one of Hillary's, uh, one of Hill Dog's top uh, 
lackeys, and a, and a couple other people, Christopher Mead, Catherine Rosen, Michael Pyle, Gary Reeder, Ken Wilson. So he's, he's hiring all of these former executive branch appointees and just paying them, you know, way over the top salaries to come work at BlackRock. So he has a sort of revolving door uh, with, with the federal government. Um, and that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's the way you do it. That's the way the wheels are greased. Yeah. We got to move these refrigerators. You know what I mean? Uh, Man, in t- let, me, let me just, let me just throw out here that democracy as a whole has a lot of greasy wheels. It's the world, you know, the net, unfortunately the natural state of the world is fucking despotism. And, we only stray from that with certain flashes of inspiration and light. You could call the Constitution that. But even, and I've said this in the show before, even Ben Franklin knew that, you know, it was going to, it was, it was going to last as long as people allowed it to last. And as long as people actively tried to pursue an ideal that isn't naturally come about, you know, even though we would like it to. But the thing is, is that there are finks in the world. There are these guys that exist that, they just they just want to crush everyone and they want to be the be the guy and that's that's just the world we live in you know um anyway uh, any any more thoughts before i continue i i'm i'm just about uh i got a few more things to say on it but any thoughts no i'm good all right uh let's see in 2009 december of 2009 so kind of this is like the heart of the the 08 crash 09 was was really bad too uh, BlackRock purchased Barclays Global Investors, at which point the company became the largest money management firm in the world. Uh, so it was he really took advantage of the 08 crash. I'm pretty sure that that is what catapulted him to the level that he is at now. And he, he orchestrated it. He wrote it out. He, he made profit creating the problem, and then he made even more profit, uh, quote-unquote, solving the problem. Um, let's see here. He's, he's not really widely known, but he does go on NBC, of course. <laughs> right. Like a good Democrat. And, uh, and he doesn't take a, a major salary. Um, he's one of those guys where he only really gets paid like, you know, tens of millions of dollars or something a year. He only made on, on salary on record. He made $36 million in salary in 2021. Uh, in 2016, BlackRock had five trillion under management, and now it has 12. So within a period of five, six years, he doubled. Uh, he, he more than doubled five trillion dollars worth of assets. Very, very impressive. Uh, according to DW, a news organization out of Deutschland, it says, "quote While it is not clear what concrete moves BlackRock is willing to take, they do seem to mean business." And they're talking about ESG here. In the $1.7 trillion in active funds we manage, BlackRock can choose to sell the securities of a company if we are doubtful about its strategic direction or long-term growth. And this is Fink. Wrote Fink. Adding that BlackRock is in the process of growing its investment stewardship uh, with business plans and blah, blah, blah. Basically, he said what I said earlier. If we don't agree with what you do, we can pull out. and, And we won't invest in you. And we won't invest in you because of these aspects of business, which really have nothing to do with profit in a sense. Um, 
which is the main thing. Any any investment strategy, it, it diverts from traditional investing when you don't take profit into account. When the when the rich man says, I'm not investing in this business because I think I'm going to see a return. I'm investing it because I agree with your message, which we, is a dumb we, thing. We have a shared vision, you and yeah. I. You and I, yeah, we're not you too, too unlike. We have a lot the world of, needs a business like this. Yes, our similarities. We can be co-symbiotes. Co-symbiotes. We can be co-parasites together. Yes, you and I. Take my parasite hand. <laughs> take my finky hand. <laughs> take my mother finking hand. <laughs> talking about, what are you talking about, mother finker? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so he, it's a very flowery way of saying that we want to help the world, but really what he's doing is he's he's manipulating everything. And he's forcing everybody to acquiesce to his agenda. How cool. What a cool guy. Uh, oh, good night, Junta. Hope you, hope you have a good night, sir. Do you think we'll ever get to that level of reincarnation? Like, we've exceeded so far up the ladder figuring out time and time again that finally like we get to be in the position of Larry Fink uh, like do you think we like would- reincarnated into a, a billionaire's body yeah in the similar position uh, I don't know um, this guy's from what I can tell he's very self-made and he his his dad like owned a shoe store. I mean, he he was he was well off, but he was like middle class or upper upper middle class. I think probably being born into the upper middle class is the greatest boon of all. <laughs> you don't have any massive pressure to take over anything or do anything, but you still have like the resources to pursue um whatever you want to try and make money at. I don't know. My my, pres- or you can just be born in the Rothschild family and just be born worth a trillion dollars and and do that. But some would argue that there isn't really a whole lot of accomplishment in that. Yeah, I can see that. And then uh, go out there and grind your teeth down for it yourself. Yeah, this guy can literally walk around and be like, "I built this. I'm the man. I did it. It was all me." <laughs> Finders keepers. Finders keepers. Fuck you. I got mine. <coughs> yeah, but this guy—you never—you never hear about him. You never, and he is absolutely behind. You know all these dumb. Even when it comes to television and shit, when it comes to Netflix, I mean, you get these shows that are obviously poorly written. They're filled with awkward diversity hires, and it's—it's it's not about telling a story. It's all about pushing this, you know, the message, as it were. And everybody's trying to push the message. Uh, and this guy, this is where the message comes from. He's one of the guys. He works with Bill Gates a lot, and they 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 run the the, the dark money philanthropy game. They're the top guys of it. And nobody tries to fucking interject their way into into people's lives more than these assholes. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, and sometimes, if you don't uh, play nice, well, sometimes you know. You'll be put in prison and then suicided. Like a certain guy we may or may not know about. I have I have one last clip to close this out. Just to remind us with the people that we're dealing with here. If you could play Billy One, he's dead. Bill, I'm going to begin with you. 
Uh, you've recruited Larry here and several other top oh, multinational you know CEOs. As I, uh, I think I clipped the wrong thing. This is Bill and, and Larry talking together. and eh, I mean, we can get a sense on the, the bullshit, but I, I was trying to clip where he goes, Epstein, where they're talking about Epstein. And he goes, well, he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Larry the the lady was like, was that? Larry Fink was on that interview? He wasn't on that interview. No. Oh. Okay. Uh, this is a, this is an interview about ESG, and we'll play this to close it out, just to just to wet our palate. But I love that clip of when the, the lady's like, "Did you learn any lessons from dealing with Epstein?" Yeah. <laughs> and Bill Gates is like, "Well, he's dead, so <laughs> I'll look for it. I, I might be able to find it real quick, but uh, we'll continue with this one." Anchor Partners for your effort to develop critical clean energy technologies. Let's start with this. What is Breakthrough Energy Catalyst, and what will it do with the money these partners are providing you? It's very exciting uh, that we've got seven founding partners here for Catalyst. Uh, These are companies that care about climate, and even beyond uh, getting rid of their own emissions, are helping to support the projects that will reduce the costs Uh, making things like uh, aviation fuel or hydrogen. And so it's not just their emissions that will be impacted here. As we take this over billion dollars in capital we already have, and that's just the start, and fund these projects, we're going to bring the cost down so that, you know, all companies in all countries uh, will be able to participate in using green products. So I saw this as a key element. Uh, I first uh, went to Satya Nadella, uh, then, you know, seeing how out in front uh, Larry's been on this issue, I went to him, and so the two of them uh, encouraged me to get a, a group together now uh, we've got five other companies who are leaders in this space uh, announcing substantial commitments. You know, so we start with over a billion dollars to help fund the scale-up projects that will bring the cost down. And there's a lot of leverage here because there'll be government money, government tax credits uh, that will no, ding, ding, pull ding, ding, together ding. Uh, dozens of these projects. And you've got, if I understand it, in addition to Microsoft and BlackRock, you've got Bank of America, you've got General Motors, you've got BCG, ArcelorMittal. I may be missing one. American Airlines. Now, Those are the, the seven founding partners who are going to help guide this effort. Uh, we do expect to bring in lots more companies. Hmm. Hmm. Can hmm. I, I'm going to take this back for two seconds because I couldn't tell if it was me or Bill Gates. Well, let's see here. Uh, this looks like it's close enough. Uh, that will pull together uh, dozens of these projects. And you've got, if I understand it, in addition to Microsoft and BlackRock, you've got Bank of America. You've scale up projects that will bring the cost down. And there's a lot of leverage here because there'll be government money, government tax credits uh, that will pull together. Okay. I, was, I sped it up. I, no, no, no. I was trying to figure out if he was laughing in the middle of that. <laughs> no, he only laughs when he's talking about injecting things into people. <laughs> it's only going to be super painful, everybody. It's not you know, super painful. Uh, let's see here. It looks like you sent me a copy of it. I got it. Yeah. It was reported at that time uh, that you had a number of meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, who, when you met him 10 years ago, he was convicted of soliciting prostitution from minors. What did you know about him when you were meeting with him, as you've said yourself, uh, in the hopes of raising money? Uh, you know, I had dinners with him. Uh, I regret doing that. He had relationships with uh, people he said, you know, would give to global health, which is a 
uh, interest I have, <laughs> you know, not nearly enough philanthropy goes in that direction. Oh, yeah, uh, sure, Bill. You know, those meetings were, were a mistake. They didn't result in uh, what he purported, and I cut them off. You know, that goes back a long time ago now. Uh, there's, you know, so there's nothing new on that. It was reported that you continue to meet with him over several years, um, and that, in other words, a number of meetings. Um, what did you do when you found out about his background? Well, and, you know, I've said I regretted having those dinners, uh, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing new on that. Is there a lesson for you? Oh, what for did you do? Anyone else looking, looking at this? Well, he's dead, so, uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. Uh, and, you know, the, you know I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done in philanthropy, very proud of the work of the foundation. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I get up every day and focus on. Nice work, Bill. What Thank a, you very much, Bill. What a guy. What, what a, a fella, huh? What a guy. That guy, you know, he's going places, I'll tell you. He, he's he's reaching for the stars. He's reaching for the stars. Yep. Yep. There's going to be a, a cubicle in hell with that man's name on it, I can tell you right now. <laughs> uh boy. Well, this is uh this is the, these are the people that we're dealing with. So, you know, we can v- go real weird and say that they're a bunch of, you know, pig head fuckers, which they probably are. Probably. But uh, but I, I'll just keep it simple and straightforward. This these guys, they I mean with BlackRock and with Larry Fink, as, as Servo says, they're notorious right now for buying up all the housing and they're forcing people to rent from them. This guy apparently is obsessed with mortgages and with with housing with real estate. He wants to own the land and he wants the cash flow from people who are the renters. He's the guy who who just sees the massive value in that in the cash flow. And there aren't a lot of financial vehicles that exist in the world that have that level of just direct, you know, ground up cash flow like that. And he wants to run it all. He he wants to be the guy. If only there was a way to stop him. If only. If only. But these these guys are bigger than anything. You know, they're bigger than cities. They're bigger than governments. And all of the politicians that operate at the highest levels, they need this guy and they need to appease people like him in order to get funding for their political campaigns and, and in order to gel with the, the establishment that exists <clears throat> that are in the club. He's not himself, Larry Fink, a, a skull and bones guy, but he is in a major, like, you know, financier fraternity out of uh, UCLA where he went to. He's a couple circles deep. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely brushes teeth with the uh with the big boys. Mhm. So, I wanted to talk about him tonight. He he deserves to be talked about and I think that uh, when people ha- have qualms with ESG or when they have qualms with all of the message and wokeness in general, you can blame Soros, you can blame, you know, people like Gates, but you have to also give this guy credit cuz he, he's he's running the show right now in a lot of ways, and he, he's not going to run it all forever, but right now he's the guy, and people should know who he is. It'll be interesting to see in uh, however uh, 
however many years it takes to see who like vies for control over the legacy. Yeah, and who's the even con- if it, contender for the throne? For the for the company itself, I mean, yeah, you got the you got a lot of OG guys that are in the company that would take over for him. But the question is, would the company continue, or would it go on and be like you know Apple after Steve Jobs died? Like Apple isn't innovative. Apple doesn't do anything cool. It just it just rehashes the same old shit it's always done. Uh, but it's still Apple, you know. How long is Apple going to last? Uh, who knows? Eric Prince. That's right, Sharky. That's uh, that's um, that's the head of Blackwater, the mercenary group. And he, I believe, is either a cousin or a sister or, or not sister, a cousin <laughs> or a sibling of uh, Betsy DeVos, that oh. lady who got a bunch of slack. She was the Secretary of Education, I think, under Trump. Yep, that's correct. Uh, yeah, they're they're related. They're all a bunch of fucking hobsnob East Coasters, you know. It's a tight, it's a tight club, and we ain't in it. <laughs> we uh, we do have a tight club with some scream mails. Ooh, well, hit me with a scream mail, my man. no really um i think i heard a guy that really uh (laughs) he sounds just like you lavish you should check out that show (laughs) adios interesting no agenda did play something the other day and the guy did sound like me did you catch that at all nom did no agenda millennial or yeah yeah no agenda millennial Dan caught it. There was somebody on on. I gotta find. It. I should have clipped it. I, I wasn't like listening, listening. It was going on in the background. But I was like, "Holy shit, that guy sounds a lot like me." And I went into the troll room, and Nam was like, "Holy shit, that guy sounds a lot like lavish." <laughs> that man is me. <laughs> that man is me. That little boy was me. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like me if I was an accountant. Oh, you know, yeah. I was like, somebody's been deep faking me. Spooky. Mm, it's only a matter of time. A matter of time, comrade. Well, thank you, Dr. Sir Howard Dean. We appreciate the scream, sir. <laughs> a yes, classic throwback scream. And uh, we're looking for some more scream mails. You got uh, intermission. It's coming up right now. Uh, 612-263-7999 is that phone number that you want to call. Mm-hmm. It'll be good. We'll be back in about 13 minutes or so. Lucky 13. We'll see you there for a second, second half of show. See what Booberry has got up his sleeve. His voluminous sleeve. <laughs> Billowing.
¿Te toca? ¿Te toca? Así, ah, par de ases. Par de ases, par de ases. Estamos jugando damas, no ajedrez. No, 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 hombre. Si mueves esa ficha ahí me la como. No, no te la puedes comer. Aunque sí. Step and with the girls be handy. 
And every time they touched it off, it used a horn of powder. It made a noise like father's gun, only a nation louder. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. There we saw a thousand men, all rich as Squire David. What they wasted every day, I wish we could have saved. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. There they all would fight for fun or play on cornstalk fiddles. Some had sashes red as blood, all wrapped around their middles. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. There they had a little keg all bound around with leather. They beat upon it with some sticks to call the men together. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. And there was General Washington, the gentle folks around him. They say he grows so tarnal proud he will not ride without them. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. And there they had a pumpkin shell as big as Mother's basin. And every time they touched it off, they scampered like the nation. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. And there they all would gallop up and shoot right in our faces. It made me almost faint from fear to see them run such races. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. I can't tell you all I saw. They kept up such a bother. I took my hat off, made a bow, and scampered home to mother. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. Yankee Doodle came to town, a riding on a pony. Stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. Oh, Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be handy. I live on peyote, marijuana, morphine, and cocaine. I never know sadness, but only a madness that burns at the heart and the brain.
turn to Behind the Schemes. Starring Booberry, Berry, 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 and Lavish, 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 Lavish. Welcome back to the second, second half of show for Behind the Schemes. It's episode 111. It certainly is. It's August 8th, 2022. And it is episode 111, yes, of Behind the Schemes. We're here with Sir Booberry, Black Knight of the Moth, and myself, Sir Lavish. It's nice to see you. What's up? How's it going? Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, hey. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, yeah. We're, we're doing it. We're making it happen. It's a, it's a nice, beautiful Monday night, and um, you cut my, you cut, so I finally listened back to that meetup report, no, I mean the meetup promo that I did. Oh, yeah. Which I have to say, I, like, I was listening to the first half of the show, and then I kind of had other things to do, and I forgot that I even did it, and uh, I came back to it, and it was funny, and you were right. Adam tried to pressure John into going to the meetup. Do you think it'll work? I don't know. I, I hope it does. If Mimi starts pressuring John, oh I my mean, goodness. that's, you know, you never know. And he even said, John said himself, you know, Concord's a nice town. I might be down to do it. It'd be cool. Could be, uh, could be legal. Yeah. But, you know, I don't hold him to it. And I don't, you know, he's, if he showed up, everybody would flip out and stuff. But, you know. Yeah. If he doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to go. <laughs> so it's all good with me. John, your van has arrived. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want him to show up if he didn't want to go and was forced to. Mm. But I don't think he would. He, he, I've seen him at, what, two, three meetups now, and he's always very, very cordial and very polite. Nice. And, uh, you know, pretty sociable. He goes around and tries to say hi to everybody. So it'd be cool. Well, I but, think regardless, uh, you'll we'll have a good time. I do like doing those promos, though. They are fun. They're <laughs> they're like I don't know. They're just they're quick. Like I want them to be quick. I always want them to be under a minute, but I just have to pack in so much information. So it's fun to like I don't know figure out how to do that to music. It's cool. No doubt. But all my inspiration comes from Spencer and Lauren. They're yeah. the they're the original <laughs> meetup promoters. The reigning champs. Yeah, <laughs> I I merely I live in their shadow. Yeah, uh, they they did it once. They started doing that. I was like, I can do that. That's great. This is fun. <laughs> That's like I didn't realize that we were allowed to do that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh baby, you're allowed. Yeah. Nice. And now I'm playing with different days. You know, weekdays, weekends. I, feel, I find that more people show up on a weekday hmm. than on a weekend because people have things to do on the weekend. I, I can see that. So I'm trying it on a Tuesday, and we'll see what we'll see what happens. Well, cool. I yeah. still need to pull the trigger on doing something, but I just you haven't. Did a, a meet up uh, a couple of months ago, didn't you? Um, or at hmm. least went to one. Yeah, I've been to two here in Minnesota. Uh, was there another one that I'm not thinking of? Mm. I mean, there's Nashville. I mean, yeah, obviously. But, yeah. uh, yeah, for some reason I thought you'd hosted one. Mm, no, I've only talked about it, but I 
I never actually got it together. Oh, well. We've been busy doing as our sings. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's cool. It's easy. <laughs> Just go to noagendameetups.com. Just Start go to meetups.com. Start with yourself. <laughs> it's like a party. Uh, we, uh, we had a couple of uh, people we should thank for this week came out and helped produce this episode, episode 111. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a value for value production, as Booberry said before in the first act, and that means that we rely solely on the charity of uh, producers and people who tune into the show, and if they get value from our show, we ask to give value back, and we'd like to give a special thanks to the people who showed us financial value. Yes, indeed, and uh, we had a familiar face coming in and setting up a new monthly donation, although I might need to talk to Tunsa because I feel like Tunsa was having the same issues when he started out his monthly, uh, but it's Sir Manny, and he set it up for $6.00. And 66 cents. No, right. Well, thank you, Sir Manny. It was very Satan-y. It was very cool. Very it was legal. very cool. Sir Manny was the one who, who bought me my knighthood. Thank you, Sir Manny. Always yes. appreciate Yes, he did. Crazy bastard. <laughs> you crazy <laughs> bastard. What have you done? Very terror. Very crypt. <laughs> now I have to pretend like I have a title and that I'm respectable? Come on. Come on, come on, guy. Come on, guy. Come on, come on. Come on, guy. Come on. Well, thank you, Sir Manny. Monthlies are always really appreciated. Ooh, ooh. Up next was Coffee (laughs) Coffee Von Dust Bubble. Uh, They're here with their $3.33 monthly donation as well. Coffee. Adding those up, we get a 999. Six 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 three 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 nine nine nine. I'm liking them numbers. It's the uh, code to the universe. On eight eight two zero two two one one one. Mm-hmm. Come on, come it's, on. Guy. It's all coming together. Come on, guy. It's all coming together. I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm gonna come. <laughs> Do not come. Oh, I had this in here. I'm not sure what happened to it, but sir, I'll have to go back and make sure I get this added. Uh, Sir Cross Stitch also had, we had three monthlies come in. Three. Mm. Uh, and the oh. last one was Sir Cross Stitches for uh, $5.33. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sir Cross Stitch. Yeah, the monthlies. Keeping the lights on around here. I know. <laughs> it's uh, just funding nonstop electric bills for black lights. <laughs> That's what our, our company would be called. Black, black light. light. I, you know, they said Black Monday in one of those clips. I was like, ooh, Black Monday Pyramid or something. Black Monday. Yeah, well, I've talked about this being, we, we have a very good chance of being a Black Monday because our show's on Monday. So if there's ever a, a terrible day in the stock market, we could be like, All right, we had episodes such and such on Black Monday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's, Pro- what's that? We'd probably have a drink the cheers or something. Yes. We'd have to make a cocktail. Most indubitably. And coming in during the show, so they definitely have not been uh, added in yet, but uh, Sir Candinavian is uh-huh. here. I was just going to ask if uh, yeah, we're catching that. Nice. Thank you, Sir Candinavian. And uh, he sent in via PayPal. Are you ready for this one? Uh huh. One hundred and eleven dollars and eleven cents. 
Whoa, Sir Canadian, big baller. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had whoa, to, whoa, whoa. Had to come back and get this one. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, Give it to me, and then I'll really give it to you, okay? A woman. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, he had said, uh, no note, but great episode. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. Sir Canadian, uh, you know, we, we chop it up a bit on No Agenda Social, and he, uh, he's, got, he's got good memes. He's got good memes going on. Yeah, he's always a... Uh... <laughs> He's got fun stuff during the Battle of the Douchebags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, did we even talk about how we did that? We did part six? Did we ever, we did uh, not. We did not. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, two Sundays ago, it was episode six of Battle of the Douchebags. Yep. Yes, indeed. And uh, Chris ended up fighting himself in the finals. Yep, Joy we Reed all, versus uh, Joy Behar. I think we all learned a, a new a new lesson about Battle of the Douchebags, which is if you if you want to win, having two guys with the same first name is definitely an ace. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, I'll have Duly to find. I have to find a good pair. Maybe we should only do pairs. What, a, dude? We could yeah. take it even further. And the four, just we have four people. The two of us. Uh, co-inspire co-spire and uh and we pick like four bills whoa or four jeffs whoa can you even do that is that allowed it's insider trading i think but as long as we just keep it a secret between you me and the world wide web right now then i think it should be okay <laughs> we'll be golden <laughs> clean sweep it yeah who's gonna psh, we're gonna blurt all this out this is all redacted. Uh, that would be such a dude. Be... How pissed we! <laughs> That'd be such a scummy move. I love it. <laughs> Sometimes, if you want to win dirty, you got to play dirty. <laughs> uh, there. Speaking of a uh, couple of upcoming dates, uh, we are going to be live after No Agenda on August the twenty first. August the twenty first. So that'll be in two weeks. Yep. Uh, I'm not awesome. sure what episode that was going to be. I didn't think to check that far. 113. Yeah. Uh, 111, 112, 113. Yep. And then... Lucky 13 on Sunday. Following that Sunday, on Monday, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to try out our very first official movie night. Mm-hmm. This is very exciting news. This has been in the works for a long time. Yes. Yes, we cannot be more excited. Uh, oh my god! I'm not so sure. Dope. I'm not sure how the sync is going to work, but uh, we'll have a clean feed. Well, there's going to be chat going. Uh, I'll, I'll generate a link for anybody that wants to hop in. Uh, we'll hang yeah. out, chill out, watch a movie. It's going to be Monday, Monday night, normal showtime. But instead, we'll be watching a movie. Yeah, it'll be like, and and we'll be, I guess, chatting a bit over it. Mystery Science Theater style. Not really like that, but we'll be there watching it and saying things. And uh, Are you going to tell them what it is? Well, I wanted to get your opinion on it. Do you want to save it for another week or go ahead and just spill the beans? Yeah, 
let's uh, let's spill the beans. Let's tell them what what's on the docket. Uh, first movie. Uh, we felt it should be something on the magical side, so we ended mm-hmm. up going with Holy Mountain. Yes, indeed. Holy well, Mountain, which was produced by uh, one of the Beatles producers and has, like, John and Yoko were involved. Yep. Uh, it's directed by Alejandro Hortorowski. It's a, it's a great alchemical movie. Get excited. Yeah. I have not seen this myself. So I'm very excited. I, I want to watch it with fresh eyes. It's trippy. <laughs> you only watch a movie for the first time once, you know? I know, yeah. I'm a big believer in And I'm sure that. it is trippy. It looks sick. So yeah, uh, that'll be super exciting. Uh, we'll, we'll get a start time and all that uh, figured out later. Sure. Um, but if, uh, if anybody out there, um, you know, wants to pitch in on, you know, if you want us to watch a certain movie, if we're going to do movie nights regularly, you can always let us know of films. And people already have. We've had a sort of ongoing list of movies, but... Feel free to call in or let us know through email uh, of any movies that you might want to see. And Cotton Gin's already got one for you. Branded. Branded. I will add it to the list right now. Nice. Uh, that's a... That's Ooh, a woo. <laughs> Ooh, Branded. That's a fucking trippy one. As of right now, we have a little over a dozen movies, I would say. Maybe 20 movies on the on the list. But... That will grow. Oh, yes. It will grow. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we got some boostograms, too, we should hit. All right. Uh, first up was 10,000 sats from N.A. Millennial through Fountain. Oh, nom. And he said, couldn't make the live show tonight, but looking forward to catching up this week. Stay scheming, boys. Oh, well, thank boys. you, sir. Thanks, boy. Kia boys. That's right. That's No Agenda Millennial who hosts the show uh, Millennial Media Offensive with Dehaujin. And you yes. can go find their channel over at hashtag MMO. <laughs> the, the proper thing to do there is to say O-T-O. Mm. I'd and rather be know, pissed you know. on than pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's fresh out the oven. That mm. has to be from last week. Yes, indubitably. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good shit. Nice. Uh, thanks, Nom. 10,000 sats, you know. One day that's going to be worth $10,000. I Yeah. It's going to be crazy. You can be like, <laughs> you boosted how much that one time? You can be like, yeah, I used it to buy a pizza once. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next up was 3333 from Bully Steed. She said, BTS, tip of the spear. Wow. BTS, tip of the spear. Ooh, is that a code? It gives me, uh, like Frankish vibes. Like we're going, Frankish? Yeah, going to war with the Franks. Oh. Spears and shields and shit. Fucking Visigoths. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like it. I like it a lot. Spears are the, um, are the superior weaponry on the battlefield. Oh, I love I. You know, I I have a little experience with fencing and sword fighting, but spears will fucking kill you <laughs> fast, <laughs> fast, fast. 
Best, best. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked fast. You know what I mean? You just fucking, bam, right through your eye and your brain, done, dead. Spear to the heart. And you're, and you're to, to blame, blame. Darling, you give war, war, a bad a good name, name. A good, good name. <laughs> that's so good. That, that superior spear reach. You know what I mean, buddy? Isn't Sorry, that maybe. Those, it, isn't that what the Spartans use? And some big fucking rounded shield and a spear? and Yeah. Yeah, they use the phalanx. The phalanx, yeah. And they <laughs> would form up and basically turn themselves into a giant turtle with spears coming out of it. Hey, girl, does your daddy let you phalanx? <laughs> Are you phalanx history, son? Sorry, wait, that was a dumb one. That was the worst pun I've made all month. God and it's only it. like the eighth. Oh, oh, oh. I have to spin that one up a little bit. You fucking put a little juice in that one. <laughs> fucking, it's called the teacher twice. <laughs> <laughs> the callback. Get back. God. The, I had to tell you twice. <laughs> Uh, you're getting so uh, riled up, conscience as your Boston accent showing. I, I, yes. <laughs> it was Very, all that. It was all that I got recharged from uh, being on the East Coast. Uh-huh. Yeah, huh. You went to the East Coast for a couple of days, and now you're like, oh, this fucking guy, Gabagool, <laughs> Gabagool. <laughs> hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he goes to, to Ben Franklin's grave one time. <laughs> Midnight Mike asked if I was going to uh, do a satanic ritual on top of Benjamin Franklin's uh, gravesite and and uh, sacrifice an animal and uh, you know do some sort of obscene profane act. You know, and if I anybody would really know you, they'd know the answer to that question. I said no. I'm just going to ask him what a woman is. <laughs> that was it that oh, was it <laughs> uh speaking of rain it was 66 66 from pitar he's boosting Ooh. the live tag using curio caster pitar making it rain he's That's, a 10 who makes it rain his uh, would say he was he was getting his goat on you know he's what i'm goating. saying yeah he's goating us i'm just the one that, that that kills them and i can just say i was following orders okay Exactly. That's all we do here is follow. But we have a ranch full of goats, though. If you want us to kill them, just give us the order. Do you know the way? <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> do you know the way? Oh, man. Are you the queen? Are you the queen? Uh, next up was Bully Seed with 3333 again. And she said, uh, Schwartzman and Fink are in it together. Schwartzman and Fink are in it together. <laughs> Oh, that goat's not in it together anymore. <laughs> I uh, no moss. I'm a huge sucker for that combo. Oh man, it's you, so good. Yeah. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey, ooh. But Pitar says it's only a dollar a goat. Don't tell him that, Pitar. It's a trade secret, man. <laughs> <laughs> dollar a goat. <laughs> Death by nail. I mean. If anybody was out there looking for a bargain, say you found it. Those goats, those goats live better than you or I. I mean, goats are stupid, mean, and hard-headed animals. That's why they're called nature's president. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah, basically. 
<laughs> basically. <laughs> oh, goats and their rectangle eyes. Yeah, I don't like it. And that's why we were slaughtering them. <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, yeah. All these goats are retarded. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they, excuse me, were. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sitting here watching in the fucking uh, in, in the Discord. I got it open, and these gifts are auto playing. Uh, so cool. <laughs> mm. Just a stream of goats being <laughs> slaughtered. <laughs> the the subtle thing I think I love about the goat slaying gif is that it's the blood goes on like a Bible or something. <laughs> yeah, some some unholy book. Some unholy book. Yeah, book of the dead. Uh, oh man, Pizza's got our back. Thirty six thousand sets. Uh, he said, "I also like that movie in regards to the Holy Mountain." Oh, nice. Based thirty six. <laughs> Hell yeah! Thank you, Pizza. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be nice. It's a great movie. Dark Lord RK will will provide the information on where to watch the movie. Uh, when when it happens, get some links to you. Hyperlink technology. Hyperlink technology coming soon to you. The highest in hyperlink technology. And then uh, the last two were from Pitar. 6666 for both of them. The, yeah, that's two goats. A known goat slaughtering maniac strikes again. Yes, Pitar has ended many a goat. <laughs> Hello, Pitar. You do not know me, but you slaughtered my father. <laughs> <laughs> I was but a wee little goat. You bastard. You bastard. Pizar's like the goat boogeyman. The goat boogeyman, yes. And all the goats are running around like, Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Pizar is coming. Pizar is coming. Pitar is Oh my god. Alright, I gotta I gotta write that down. We gotta do that as a uh, bit. Pitar is coming. Like a movie trailer thing. Mm. Just real quick, Pitar is coming. We should have a Pitar boost. <laughs> I like it. And that's you know, I I did make a post about it on Mastodon, but I'll throw it out here too. If you have an ISO that you want to be able to boost on the show, send it to me and I'll add yes. it in. Indeed. Uh, we're, we're open to suggestion and uh, we take all, uh, you know, that's part of the value for value. You can help us out with that. Mm -hmm. And that last one was uh, Fletcher with 4469 through Fountain saying, we talking about goat ends? <laughs> Which end? <laughs> it's a preference thing, Fletcher. Do you like the front or the back end? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Do you like olives on your pizza? <laughs> cheese pizza? Maybe. <laughs> you like olives on your cheese pizza that you got from certain channels? Oh, olives and goat cheese. Ooh, goat cheese. Mmm. Now that's oh, a, to me. a kinky uh, topping. <laughs> Spread your cheeks. That's what that one stands for. <laughs> and I will remind you in the audience that Nancy Pelosi has a goat pizza 
joint in San Francisco. Goat Hill Pizza. I'd believe it. That the Pelosi family has owned for years. Goats and pizza, man. What's not to love? <sighs> Nothing. Mm-mm. Om nom nom. Oh, my God. We got another boost from Fletcher. Quitch! I want this one. To, I want this one to turn out well. It's Sam Tripoli screaming "witch, witch, witch!" Sounds like somebody's like pushing air out of him. Yeah, a little bit. Like one more time, witch. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, Fletcher just boosted us forty-four sixty-nine once more, saying, "I'll start in the middle, <laughs> right in the middle." Uh, I want to go where all the organs are. We get right to it. Yeah. Hail the executioners. Boy, you are the angel of death. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of executioners, and I like it. He's got the right idea. Um, nom, nom, nom. Teeth first. He's thinking about the milk and not the carton. Oh. <laughs> Starting from the middle upside down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever your angle is. Wait, you said, you said, you said getting the goat milk? They love sucking <laughs> Satan's cock. They get off on it. <laughs> Spread your cheeks. Do it, goat. Come here, goat. Come here, goat. No, goat. we don't. No, 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 no. We can't say that. Oh, Pizar is asking about a goat count. <laughs> oh, a goat count. Oh, hmm. Interesting. I'm sure there's ways to be done. I mean, we can at least go back and count all the times that uh, we know we know how to count them. Yeah, yeah, we, we can do that. We can find that information easy. Jeez, I wonder how many we should do a, a, a guess, like a you know how many marbles are in that jar. We should have a competition. Well, Maybe. I know, I know from the I can spoil the first episode at least. It was. Uh, it was about fifteen goats. On the when the fir- it was first implemented, correct. When show. we when we first opened the corral inside of the green room, there was about fifteen goats that got through. Just the, in the uh, first one, quote unquote processing. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. I feel like there have been a couple episodes where we've even had double that. Yes. Where like one or two episodes where people went goat crazy. <laughs> Peter also said we can start fresh. Satin has his needs. That's true. <laughs> There's no shortage of goats around here, my friends. Plenty of them. It could get culty. <laughs> yes. You killed my father. He was in the the hidden list. You didn't even count him in your goat count. For this, I will kill you. Mm. Uh, Excuse. Beg my pardon. We uh. Had a message come through, and I was—I I did see this one earlier in the beginning part of the show. I just wanted to clarify that we did get it. I was just waiting until we got to the Freaks of Hazards. But it was a uh, certain Scandinavian coming in saying, PayPal show do- number donation 111.11. Sir Scandinavian. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Yep. So thank you very That's much. That's really cool. And we didn't have any other voicemails or anything come through. So if you still want to get it in on that action, you can call 612-263-7999. That you can. Rolling out the MK Ultra song on us. Great. 
on stage i can say i can see her as a punk rock rocker pogoing on the stage oh yes the pogo ah yes the pogo ah yes the oh give it to me pogo pogo uh let's see here well i guess i have a couple things that uh we could get started off with um just because I was so uh, so frustrated that I lost my whole batch of clips from last night when I was up till about 3.30 falling asleep in this chair trying to get this stuff pulled. Um, I got some clips from the most recent Joe Rogan episode featuring Sam Tripoli. Mm, I've heard a lot about this here. And uh, for those of you who are unaware of who Sam Tripoli is, he is a podcast host who does seven different shows. If I'm not mistaken, he's got Tinfoil Hat, uh, Conspiracy Social Club with Brian Callahan, Calhoun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Callum. Brian Callum. Calhoun. Callum. And uh, Punch Drunk Sports. uh Cash Daddy's Union of the Unwanted, which features guys like Grimerica, uh, Midnight Mike of OBDM is on there, mm. Ripple Effect, all sorts of folks. And then uh, there's one or two other ones I'm forgetting. Uh, Zero, he's got some exclusive like Rockfin shows and whatnot. Um, but the uh, they had a three and a half hour episode. Uh, it's been the first one in several years. Uh, it's probably been since 2017, I think, since uh, Sam Tripoli was last on. And, um, you know, for those of you who uh, aren't familiar with Sam, he likes to go deep, homeboy. There's lizard people everywhere. Once you crack open a can of Sam, you ain't stopping. Yeah, uh, he's on the They Live uh, plane. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's more into the spiritual warfare nature of our reality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not really going to get bogged down by, like, the flat earth conversation or the moon landing stuff. Um, and it's it's cool to kind of, like, watch him uh, just transition through different periods of his life. Because he's... I've been following him since... 2016 maybe 2017 Mm -hmm. and uh i had to step out for a long while because he just too many uppers it was hard to keep uh, keep up with him and uh, so much of his content just became the same talking point at nauseum just barreling over guests and whatnot right but uh Mm -hmm. He got sober. He's been sober for over a year and a half. They actually end up discussing it in this uh, in this episode. Uh, Good so for it's, him. It's Good cool, and you know he's got two daughters now, twin daughters. So that that really kind of helped uh, shake him loose. Sure. Um, but overall, I was kind of perturbed with this interview. It uh, didn't uh, didn't satisfy you. No, not really. Uh, mostly because I feel like. Rogan has slid back into a very comfortable position. And uh, this first example uh, will demonstrate how 
Rogan, I guess, is unaware of a talk a, a topic that I feel like gets a lot of coverage, that being Operation High Jump. Um, at least it gets covered by uh, conspiracy circles quite a bit. It's this uh, expedition that Admiral Byrd was sent on from the U.S. government to go check out uh, Antarctica. And they detail seeing these crazy UFO battles in the air while they're down there. And uh, hmm. very Masonic. Are you familiar with this one? No, no. Oh, shit. All right. Well, uh, Sam's going to give us a pretty wild breakdown. Here's the first part. Yeah. Have you ever looked into Klaus Schwab's like dad? No. Have you ever heard of New Schwabenland? New Schwabenland. You never heard of New Schwabenland? No. Have you ever heard of uh, Operation uh, High Jump? I knew I was going to love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dude, What's it's Operation crazy. High Jump? What does that mean? Okay. So uh, at one point, some people are like, what's going on with Antarctica? Have you heard of this? Where they sent Admiral Byrd up? What's going on in Antarctica? Yeah. So the U.S. government's like, something's going on with Antarctica. There's some activity up there. We want to find out what's going on. So they send this cat named Admiral Byrd up to investigate with a giant fleet, uh, like a, just a, a, a fleet to go to go bang, bro. You know? When was this? I think this was in the, uh, when was Eisenhower in? Was it the 50s? It was, yeah, it was 60s? like right around, like just uh, either around World War II or right after it. And so they sent Avril Bird up to go find out. And according to his journal that they found much later, he, he basically met with UFOs, Nazi UFOs. What? Yes. Nazi this, UFOs. The Nazis... The Nazis had a like a flying saucer. Ha, ha, had made a deal, basically <gasps> working with interdimensional. You've never heard this. No, it's the greatest story ever, bro. <laughs> it's the greatest. So story. the Nazis made a deal with the aliens. Yes, holy for shit. For technology, and the deal was they were going to work together. Okay, I know this sounds crazy. So this clip, I think, already starts to highlight Rogan's general demeanor throughout this entire. Uh, interview you feign shock and then like what no that's crazy and uh it just gets very repetitive and i i'm almost certain that just given the people that rogan's hung out with uh even jamie says at one point that he's familiar with this so i you know maybe it's one of those things that has slipped rogan's mind i'm not sure but uh it feels I like felt he, that way about stuff before with him, like because he's heard so much different shit, but he's talked about so much different shit. I just uh, it it still it doesn't stop it from feeling disingenuous. Sure, sure, you know, yeah. Uh, so this next clip is uh, <laughs> this is more of Sam tying all of the conspiracies together, uh, based off of Operation High Jump. Of course, uh, he states that Admiral Byrd signed agreements with aliens. That were also supplying technology to the Nazis, which uh, I, th I think is a pretty crazy idea. You know that the the Germans signed secret agreements with extra or inter interdimensional beings to get technology from them to use them in the war effort. Yeah, that's a, that's a theory that I've seen thrown around in the past, though. Because with Germany, it's like how did they? How were they so far ahead of everyone else at the time? Yeah. 
And it was the the big uh, kind of issue with World War II. They just had all the best shit for years until we caught up. And yep. even then, we didn't really catch up. We just kind of outnumbered them and everything. Yeah, and this is something that gets brought up in the conversation. You know, they're talking about, uh, oh, who in the hell was it? Volkswagen and uh, BMW? You know, the the engines, these German engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, BMW, uh, yeah, it's based off of uh, Aerospace Company. That's why their symbol is like a helicopter uh, spinning. I mean, they even, Sam even brings up uh, the IBM connection. Mm-hmm, IBM. So, he's been he's been reading, he's been looking around, and uh, Jamie does at one point correct Rogan, saying that they had discussed the IBM, uh, that one specific book, the, you know, the author that JCD had an interview with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that book gets mentioned, I didn't clip that. But, uh, Which well, is major. Uh, you know, a lot of, Ford was like that. And uh, a lot of oil companies were like that. American, there were a lot of major American companies that were financing the Nazis back then. Oh yeah, or or at least in business with them. <laughs> Coke, <coughs> Coke, yeah, yeah. But uh, here's the second clip of this part. So basically, the aliens go down, and and Klaus Schwab's dad go down and meet with Eisenhower. It's gonna be like we could we could either do it one way or the other way. We could do it nice, or we can do it the wrong way. And that's where they say Eisenhower made a deal with these aliens mm. that they could kidnap people and do experiments, but they couldn't just do it anywhere. They had, to, they had specific places, which were our national forest. What? Uh, yeah, dude. You've never heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> You're making this sound no. as if this is like a story that is commonplace. It, uh, well, for my people, it is. <laughs> Jamie, count me out here. Have you heard the story? brand new. <laughs> You've never uh, heard of this? I You've had... never heard of Operation High Jump, bro? <laughs> I feel like I've heard of that, but I haven't, not in this context. This sounds amazing. Please keep going. Right. And so, this is uh, where the missing the... 411 come from. The missing information? What missing oh information? No, God. the missing 411. What do you mean by that? Which is all these people have mysteriously disappeared in force. And oh, they don't you're know. You're not how. talking about the missing 411 like information. No, no, you're no. The, about, so missing 411 is a, the number of people that have been yeah, abducted? Yeah, and it, it's all really weird because they all have a, like a, a lot of similar characteristics. German born, like German background, excuse me, highly intelligent. And it like I don't know how weird you want to get, bro. But I want to get weird. Okay, bro. They think like the this might be some time traveling Nazi shit, bro. <gasps> I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's true, dude. That's what they believe. And they made a deal. these they? These they folk? Who, who? When who, you say they believe, who are these they? The people? conspiracy people. Uh, so, uh, Missing 411, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, there seems to be a string of disappearances that all happen under similar circumstances throughout the entirety of the national park system uh, throughout okay. the United States. Um, it's It seems to be uh, a lot of times people that you would never expect to go missing. Uh, sometimes it's... Uh, a literal child walking out of your line of sight for less than 30 seconds and you turn around and your kid's gone. Mm-hmm. No, no sign. 
Uh, there's some really interesting documentaries about it. Um, I think it's actually called Missing 411 is the name of the doc I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an easy, I mean, if it were, if this is plausible, then it would be the perfect place to abduct people because people get lost in the forest or whatever all the time. And you can blame it on that. Oh, they just got lost. Yeah. I know, uh, Mike has even gone as far to find instances where it seems like something, uh, something akin to Bigfoot would be involved, uh, Mm -hmm. involved in these kidnappings, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I actually think he's kind of on the side of uh, Bigfoot works for the Greys, to kind of boil it down in a really easy way. Yeah, sure. Uh, which I think is interesting. Um, but this yeah. is a situation where nobody can actually get the real numbers from the National Park Service to to determine how many people have actually gone missing. And uh, one of these numbers, it was somewhere upwards of 3,500 per year. Um, okay. Which is not a ton of people, but you got to think about how many people are actually entering the park. 3,500 uh, people a year is a good amount of people. Yep. And then, uh, of course, there's the map of all of the people's disappearances and tunnels and stuff. And I mean, there's, there's a lot that I am not prepared to get into, but um, uh, another common occurrence that happens with these disappearances is. People will check and check and check and check and comb and comb and comb and comb an area with huge parties for extended amounts of time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they they have to turn in at some point because you're just you've got so much manpower. And then along comes a hiker, you know, sometime later and just and finds finds it, you know, some form of remains or clothing just out in, out in the open. Something that had been, you know, just combed over. Hmm. So, yeah, I imagine that there are plenty of instances where it just is too weird and too. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure that there are instances like that. The the, the trouble's compiling it. Yeah, but you know, Sam's Sam Sam is uh is very much convinced that it's aliens that are leading these abduct uh, abductions and. You know, who am I to disagree? Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm kind of into the idea based off of the uh, just the the things I've kind of picked up from hearing other people discuss it. Uh, and this kind of starts off the conversation of like, you know, who who's kind of at the top of the pyramid? You know, you got people that are signing deals with these aliens, right? Like Eisenhower, but you know, if Eisenhower is the one signing the deal, it means somebody wrote up the contract, right? Yeah. So, or, or some, you know, he's just the, the face of an organization that made this deal. Right. Um, so Sam gets into that here. So the, the area in, of Antarctica they went to was New, New Schwabenland. New Schwabenland. Do you think that's why he dresses with the space? 100%. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. So they're all in contact with the aliens. I want to just preface this whole conversation was brought up by the, uh, you will own nothing and be happy and eating the bugs. It's so funny because I put that in the show notes, not knowing that you were going to bring this Yep. or that connection, <laughs> but that's actually the last image I have in, in the show notes. I, I posted that guy. Yeah, Just that's the model smile, man. Small. That's a smile of a generation. <laughs> right on. 
I think, well, dude, I mean, it, it gets into, I, see, a lot of people think this is about power and money. What do you think it's about? It's spiritual war, dude. This is, these people got all the money and all the power. They got more than they could ever want. I think they want complete control. But that gets in the spirituality, not just complete control, but lowering your vibration and, and, and jacking your loosh. Hmm. Jacking your spirit you think, energy. You think they're doing that consciously, or do you think they're doing it like uh, they're chasing the economics, and along the way, it actually becomes a spiritual battle because everything is a spiritual battle. I think it's done purposely. I think they're they're, they're evil. I think I think they're they're at low low there's low frequency stuff going on and they've made deals with people and things and that's why things going on. That was very ambiguous, but I understand where you're going with it. Okay, <laughs> I mean, if you want me, I just don't want to get too weird too fast, bro. But <laughs> too I'm, fast. I'm like, we just opened up. We're good. And uh, Lush is your spiritual juice. Mm-hmm. Your uh, your mana. Yeah, your, your jiz, soul, your Jizmodo. Yeah, <laughs> Jizmojo. <laughs> Jizmodo Two, one of the best games for PlayStation One ever. Uh, in the the Guar stories, they call it Jizmo Goblin, or Jizmo Globin. Sorry, Jizmo Globin. Jizmo Globin or Jizmo yeah. Globin. Oh, like it's blood or something like. Yeah, Jizmo they have this whole whole scene in one of the movies where they strap Sebastian Bach from Skid Row to the machine and they suck it right out of him. Hmm. <laughs> turns into a business suit after that <laughs> typical turns typical. into a lizard yep that's the that's the they live shit man it, it's uh they use this as livestock lizard people that, something we don't even think you know don't even understand something that exists a quantifiable aspect to our soul and our spirit something that you know we can be drained of or we can build up or whatever. Yep. Um, here's a, <laughs> I thought this is a pretty, pretty good, uh, skull and bone diss from Joe Rogan, but I believe we have a <laughs> long, long history of, of that. We've been lied to about how really special we are. But, but, wait a minute. Have we been lied to or yeah. are we all trying to figure it all out? This is the problem that I have with a lot of conspiracy theorists is that they want to think that someone in every every facet of life, someone has it completely under control and knows exactly what it is and why we're here. Okay. I'm sorry. How much did you say the, uh, uh, not, not the net worth, but just the assets that Larry Fink is control of? Uh, somewhere between 10 and $12 trillion. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's wrong with that is that everybody started off as a baby. Everybody that's alive today started off as a baby. Yeah. And they started off as a baby fairly recently. Yeah. You know, so I don't think they know. I don't think it's possible. I think you'd have to be alive back then to really know what the fuck is up. And even if you believe, even if you 100% believe, you don't know for sure. Even if you believe in some wacky skull and crossbones fucking yes. scroll that they pull out where they tell you yeah. how the earth was formed yeah, and yeah. that the Anunnaki are coming, you got to yeah. be prepared yeah. and yeah. you got to suck a dick with a Polaroid because <laughs> <laughs> we have to have evidence on you. What do you mean it's not working the, the camera? The only way we can do this is you got to suck a dick on camera. <laughs> you know, that's like, even if you believe all that, I think you don't know. And I think that's the reality of being a person. I don't think there's any all-knowing, all-wise person that's evilly running the, the world through strings, like, like a puppeteer. I think it's more 
likely a bunch of people that have amassed mass wealth yeah. and power, yeah. and they're trying to maintain that in any way, shape possible. And that doesn't leave a lot of time for exploring the origins of mankind and then conspiring to keep it from the plebs. Uh, now, uh, we only cover so much ground, given that we do a weekly show, once weekly. But I, mm -hmm. it feels appropriate to say that the, the Skull and Bones group comes up in conversation with some frequency because you inevitably bring somebody that was part of this uh, organization uh, at Yale. Um, you know, they're in a position of influence and they make decisions and it drives things forward. And usually it's for the benefit of them and their <laughs> stockholders. If you know, they're jumping ship over to a fucking company like uh, your BlackRock boys. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Or go between the government and that something like that, at the highest levels of the public and private sector, but and it, they're all from this group. But it sounds like Rogan just is not on board with the idea that it has been kind of like a passing of the torch from one generation to the next generation, and then there's people like Larry Fink that are kind of born on the on the outskirts, you know, he wasn't a, he wasn't a Vanderbilt or anything, mm -hmm. you know, he, he could have been, he could have been an Anderson Cooper, but he wasn't, mm -hmm. he became, he became Larry Fink, <laughs> ended up owning more than all of them, <laughs> which right. is funny. And, uh, so, you know, Rogan is not agreeing with this mindset. Um, but here's them discussing what happens when one culture takes over another culture. I, I, I agree with a lot of that. Okay. The only pushback I have is when we take a look at like, let's say how Canada treated the indigenous people, right? So they went in there and they kind of made these deals with people. And then what they did is they shipped their, their children off to schools away from the adults and the elders. And that, made a disconnect. Well, they did that here too. Yeah, and, and it makes a disconnect from your heritage. Yes. I, and I think that's a big, big issue with the black community that was done to them. They never really were told how powerful they truly are. And like that we mistake this thing, culture for heritage. And heritage isn't, your culture is not heritage. Your heritage is much different. And your heritage is a, your lineage th through you, your people, through time. And that allows you to get a running start in life. Right, and, and we're trying you, to erase their heritage. Yes, yeah, so that's right. what that's I, what they did in, in to the Native Americans too, and in they North did to America. the Black community as well. Yeah. That is a, a a common theme in cultures when they take over another culture. Right, they they make them assimilate to their laws and their gods and their way of living. Do you think that BlackRock buying out all of these mortgages is like a cultural takeover in some regards? Uh, yeah. Okay. Enforcing businesses to, you know, behave a certain ethical way or, or be a certain ideology in order to get investment money, mm -hmm. in order to get a, you can't just go and be like, I have a solid business plan. Yeah, but are you racist? <laughs> you're not part of the problem, are you? <laughs> and you're like, well, no, I'm not racist. And they're like, well, according to Twitter, you are. So, yeah. sorry, no deal. No deal. That's not cultural control or manipulation? 
No, couldn't be. And, uh, I, I mean, you were just discussing companies that BlackRock came in and clean-swapped out and bought up and, and garnered control over, and that's what really boosted them to the top tier of their league, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like conquering a motherfucker on the battlefield, son. It is. It's, it's like a, defeating a great army piecemeal. Yeah, it's one by one disintegrating your enemy in, until you've you've won, and it's uh, it's what Bill Gates did with Microsoft. I mean, he did that with the with the software world. His but, whole thing was anti um, co- cooperation, anti competition, and buying out all of his competitors and crushing them. Now we are still assuming that these individuals do not have email and do not communicate with. Uh, one another in any fashion or form. <laughs> oh yeah, they don't ha- they don't have computers. Even though this guy was the first guy to have a computer, um, yeah, they don't talk. But I do kind of have a question for Joe Rogan. Uh, who's they? It's just I don't really believe that there's a mastermind behind it all. I think there's people that capitalize on weakness and vulnerability. And during COVID, obviously, we were very vulnerable and and the economy became very weak. And those are very dangerous uh, scenarios for people that are used to capitalizing on moments when society is weak and divided and moments of economic strife, moments when they can control markets and control industries and figure out how to profit the most and how to eliminate certain competitors you know, it's all scary shit, man, because economics does play a factor in how they make decisions that can affect the vast majority of us. And the people that are profiting off of these decisions, it's, it's a fucking relatively f- f- small amount of people. Small group of people, man. Like, here's a question. Who owns the fucking oil in the ocean? And why do you get it? Who, who gets it? Who gets the pump that's out? Isn't that the world stuff? <laughs> I like the way Rogan puts things sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yep. That reminds me of uh, of Ghislaine Maxwell's ocean uh, thing that she did, where she was trying to like build ocean cities with Jeffrey Epstein, and that was one of the things that they tried to pull rich people into investing in. Is they would go, what is it called? Uh, and and that was just a whole scam to try and control the ocean. Ocean City. <laughs> Water World. <laughs> Mysterious Ocean Nonprofit, which is called, and it's what they all refer to. This is their Davos. Mm. What the hell is the fucking name of it? Uh, now, I do, I do have two last... Terramar. Sorry. Terramar. The Terramar Project. Uh, oh, I'm totally unfamiliar with this. Uh, it's wild. I knew Another, I knew that Jeffrey good. Epstein wanted to seed one third of the human race with his uh, seed, but I haven't heard of this one. That's interesting. You know the the video game uh, was it where Bioshock? You, you know, Bioshock. Oh hell yeah! This is like this is it. <laughs> I'm gonna go get those chain tattoos right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do it myself, stick and poke <laughs> style. Yeah, prison tat. Yeah, <laughs> well, Where's like, I got this one in prison, man. In prison of my mind. <laughs> my mind is at least my mind is free. <laughs> help! Help! I'm stuck. I can't get out. 
You've arrived. Oh, hello. Welcome. Ding. Oh, welcome. Um, uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you there. I So, I, I don't know how, how much more interest you have in this. I got two last clips. It's kind of more of the same, but it's uh, now the point of conversation was uh, the way the Rockefellers infiltrated um, everything. Well, American. medicine specifically with their yeah, petro petro based medicine, medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, and R Rogan again is not on board. But it it just it circles back. The conversation goes well. These organizations, um, like the precursor to the FDA, I, I forget the name of the the one of the first groups. It was the one that Rockefeller basically started and funded, and then mm -hmm. this organization is what led the charge on setting up all of these protocols. Uh, they were the driving force behind the way medicines were picked or the ways mm -hmm. that medicines were researched and developed, so on and so forth. Um, and get rid of a lot of like traditional medicines and kind right. of home remedies in favor yeah, for like prescription kind of, medication. Like you're conquering territory and pushing out the old culture, almost. Mm -hmm. Um but and then Rogan just makes this argument. It's like, oh well, you know, uh, over time though, money gets in there and gets gets influence, and people just get corrupt, and it's just the way things go. And and then you get COVID, <laughs> <laughs> and then you die. It's like okay. I mean, I guess my I I just I'm not I'm still I I guess I have to do like a uh, a quarterly check in with Rogan to see if I'm on board yet, and. I'm just not into it still. Mm -hmm. Even with a dude that I'm, and I, you know, he did the same thing to Sam that I felt like he pulled on Alex Jones when uh, Tim Dillon was a guest. Uh, Joe Rogan, very succinctly, every time Alex Jones made a claim, he would have Jamie pull up some article to reference it, to mm -hmm. cross-check him, and fact-check Yeah, check he was him. constantly cross-checking him. Yeah. So there was a lot of that going on in this episode as well. Man, I feel like all those Alex Jones interviews were muffled in some way. The worst for me was when Eddie Bravo was on. And Eddie Bravo just wouldn't shut up. And I love I think Eddie Bravo's got a good head for conspiracies and I I mean I respect the guy. He's a great fighter and all that shit, but he just he wouldn't let he wouldn't let Alex Jones talk. He was just so stoked. He was so excited that he was there. He couldn't shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i want to say that carried over to uh oh god uh theo vaughn <laughs> ended up saying something about it uh the way he just uh eddie was in like a dog he was just like just full steam ahead on this mm -hmm. and then sam had both Theo and Eddie on at the same time, and Eddie ended up confronting Theo about it there on the show. <laughs> nice. It's pretty good. <laughs> Where you been, man? Why'd you call? Why'd you call like, me? This is the multiverse crossover that we were always wanting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Uh, that's all That's all I got on this. I, I hope it was interesting enough. I hope the 411 stuff is uh, something we can come back to. It's very yeah, spooky. it's cool. I like it. I like it. Um, and I'm I'm a little more on board with uh, seeing if Tinfoil Hat's going to fall back into a, a weekly rotation. We'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. 
But he still oh. does shield for boner pills, so. Uh, that is just such a damn staple of the podcasting world. Yep. It's so interesting how we're, we don't do that, and it's so nice to not have to do that. Uh, what I could do, let's see, how are we doing on time? Do you oh. think that if we did dick pills, do you think they'd send us like free dick pills? <laughs> they wouldn't last long. Like, <laughs> they, <you know? laughs> First, you grind them up, popping them like Skittles here during the show. <laughs> All right, JFK. I'm going to need a standing desk. Yeah. Oh, God. One that rises and falls, you know. An, an electric uh, desk, you know. Goes with the tides. One small s- step for blue pills. <laughs> One small pill for man. <laughs> One giant boner for mankind. Um, I, uh, we're doing, we're kind of getting at the end of time. But I did have an article that I super wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we could read through at least partial, partial of it. Do like a partial cold read. All right. All right. Uh, and I'll drop this into the chat so everybody can check it out. But uh, this article comes from The Great Unthinking. It's called The Age of Aquarium and Other Timeless Eras. It's written by Mary-Kate Ultra. Yeah. And I, th- I really enjoyed this piece, and I thought it would be fun to go over. But uh, what we're looking at here is an article that was uh, a pretty concise breakdown of all of the uh, different a- zodiological ages uh, throughout millennia. This is the most recent one, huh? The age of, well, that's kind of the, the conversation for, or the debate for the conversation is, are we entering the age of Aquarius or... Uh, are we in the age of Pisces? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And this get- is kind of a big topic here. The, the changing of the Zodiacs is kind of a big deal. The great year. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's a bigger, grander scale of the uh, Chinese Zodiac. Mm. The Chinese, uh, every year it changes. Um, mm. you know, based on the sign or the house. Uh, and that's what we're looking at here is this big, giant, um, almost like a wagon wheel in the sky. With all these big spokes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, circles within circles. That, there's those circles again, man. Always. Uh, so there are 12 uh, astrological ages, each one relating to the 12 zodiac signs. This is similar to the Hindu Yuga cycle, uh, which she's going to discuss at a different time for clarity's sake. It's argued that one astrological age lasts approximately 2,100 years, give or take a few hundred years. Uh, One full completion of this cycle takes about 25,800 years and was referred to as a great year. Um, Each one of these 20, each uh, 2,100 year age is divided into 180 eras, 180 year eras. Mm -hmm. Which are linked to the twelve. Uh, so sounds like the first one starting off was, uh, the golden age, the Leo, I will, um, 
Golden Age likely came into power as the Ice Age melted away. Leo signifies birth, thus it was logically ego-driven. It was many. It was a time many spent worshipping sun gods. Those from this time were potentially aided by unknown advanced technology. Ultimately, it crumbled to pride and sunk into cancer. Funny enough, when we went to the planetarium at the Franklin Institute, the video that they had on display at the planetarium was all about sun worship in the, uh, in the olden days. Mm. Which is the foundation, really, of probably all religion. No sun doubt. worship. No doubt. Uh, next up was Cancer, I Feel. Uh, offered, cancer offered human and animal domestication. People are playing with dogs, they're playing with cows, they got their cats now. Uh, mm-hmm. pe- people nurtured spaces, cherished creations, the earth was ripe with growth, ruled by the moon. Some claim this uh, to be the last time the matriarchy was in charge. It could explain... This is like the springtime of the year. Oh yeah, this is uh, like... Uh, End of May into middle of June would be mm. cancer season. Uh, end of May to middle of June would be, would be Gemini season uh, in the modern take. Is, is, do you mean like in another way? I'm sorry. End of June into middle of July. I'm sorry. That's right. There, I know things. <laughs> or is it, I think cancer's, uh, not to correct you again, but I think it's middle of, and end of July into August, but I, I could be wrong. Nah, that goes into because uh, I know a July nineteenth, who's a Cancer, goes into Virgo after Leo. So it goes right. Cancer, Leo, Virgo. Okay, I'm not a big yeah. I'm just going off of the the birthdays that I know personally. But nice. So we got Cancer. Uh, Earth was ripe with growth. And then after that comes Gemini, and Gemini is, I think, um, and it apparently in modern society's grudge against the Gemini comes from the fact that he consumed the heart of a martyr or mother or ended the springtime cancer period. The mind is naturally severed and equal parts hungry for information. The age of Gemini was defined by this systemic conflict resolution. Men and women established effective roles at the home, and they accelerated standards. Communication and discussion reigned. Writing emerged to be sacrificed and preserved by a deity. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive when, when those who could write were going to shape the rest of everything. Mm-hmm. Writing is the, uh, the main way to control people beyond death, I've found. The main way to control people in general is through writing. Or at least it was. Uh, Let's see. Next up was Aries. Philosophers managed to thrive through persistent wars and disagreements. Religion conquered the globe. Military became culture, probably using the written word, right? Um, Yet life became knowing thyself. The age of Aries was potentially when Christ was born, though Pisces has a good argument for conceiving Jesus. Uh, Aries collapsed for a more profitable structure. Kind of sounds like yeah. the, the corporatization of the church. The Hierophant, if you will. Oh. Uh-huh. And then Pisces, the the argument for Jesus being conceived in Pisces, the fish, and uh, the Jesus fish, 
and there's a lot of fish symbolism in the Gospels. And um, a lot of that relates to, you know, if, if they're the Zodiac and all of that, then Jesus represents the Pisces. It's a time of bondage and hidden slavery. Some claim that this is our current age and that, uh, you know, the year zero is, you know, roughly around the beginning of the age of Pisces. Uh, religious fervor is the landscape. Regardless of the timeline, Pisces is ever defined by Christ as they share their symbol. Here, much pain is endured, and there is an absurd attachment to material good. Yet, the people of this age have always yearned for those concepts just outside their grasp in the physical realm, but belief is their asset. And then that goes into the age of Aquarius. Everybody knows that through the musical hair. Age of Aquarius. So this is the debate. Are we transitioning into the age of Aquarius or not? Uh, we should be able to... Uh, if we are truly in the age of Aquarius, we should be able to all acknowledge it telep uh, telepathically. Uh, our attachment to the physical should soon evaporate. Gurus are excited for this age. They say that we must reshape our perceptions so that we feel ra rather so that we feel rather than think. A heart over mind, which means mind over matter, owning nothing and being happy. <laughs> strong sense of community, potentially through trauma bonding. It's to be expected. Knowledge is power, but power is futile if not shared. Hmm. So yeah, that's the question. Are we? Which one of these are we in? Are we in Aquarius Ooh. or Pisces? Ooh. No, I don't know. It's, uh, both of these aren't particularly uh, bright and shiny. Pisces being a time of bondage and slavery, and Aquarius being a time of uh, struggle and overcoming that to become a communist. Yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna love it. Yeah, <laughs> just like you love the state. Mm, oh, I love the thank you state. Well, I will say that there is a poll down at the bottom of this one. That's why I wanted to get it out because I was curious. Uh, so, oh, little little voting action. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm still. Mm. I'm still kind of on the fence. The religious aspect of Pisces, I really feel. Uh, in the re in the sense that. Uh, there's a there's a lot of really satany things that go on, and people get really fucking culty about it sometimes. Anything can get culty. Yeah, so. I I uh I kind of think about the 2012 thing and the end of the Mayan calendar, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering because they they kind of had a concept of this as well, and they they understood the great year and they understood these massive heavenly body cycles, heavenly body. And uh, is, is, was 2012 the year? You know, are we cracking into, into Aquarius right now? Who knows? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Taking <laughs> 60 years of transition so far. <laughs> uh, well, well, 60 like, years is know, nothing. Based off of the song. That, that is true. 60 years is nothing. In, in this space, and I think of like with Jesus representing the age of Pisces, I, I, I bet that Jesus wasn't born like right at the start of Pisces. Pisces was around for a little while, and then, you know, somebody had to come in and fill that, that, mythical, that mythological role as being the face of Pisces. And, you know, 
all this uh, messianic fervor that was happening at the time might have something to do with that. This is what 60 years sounds like. In the cosmos of time, it's not a fart in the wind. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't not know. medical advice. Not medical advice. I'm going to vote. Uh, I, I'm going to vote too. I'm going to vote right now. Nice. Uh, yes, I, I've, I've put my vote. There we go. That's what she wrote. Uh, voicemail, and then we Literally. can get the hey out of here. Let's do it. Hey guys, it's uh, it's Fletcher. Don't worry, I'm feeling totally normal after being trapped inside uh, the computer for a pretty while there. I don't think there are uh, any side effects whatsoever. None that I've noticed anyway. Dear God! Pretty normal. I'm sleeping fine. Everything like that. The pain! The steering pain! Damn, caller. Might have to find you a salve or something. That's a master screamer. He got stuck in the computer. Did you hear that? He got stuck in the computer? He, he, He was working on... So, caller was... Uh, working on his computer, trying to get it fixed, and I think his place got struck by a bolt of lightning, and it ended up like fusing his soul with a computer. Mm. So then uh, I called in with Abel Kirby, and he was able to. We were. It was mostly Abel's work, truth be told, but he mm-hmm. he was able to get a magic spell going um, to pull Fletcher out of the computer. And oh, that's nice. I had actually went in and tried to work some of my magic to get the rest of the little bit of Fletcher that was stuck in there out. Okay. Um, and I guess maybe it didn't work. I'll have to go back in there and <laughs> try again. <laughs> is, is his beard still in there or something? I don't know. I'm just going to have to uh, suck harder next time. Fletcher, yeah, of course. Fletcher, you got to... Don't get trapped in the computer. Stop all the downloading. <laughs> hey, kid, I'm a computer. Hey, kid. And then we have with the 99.99, which is the go to boost. Oh, <laughs> those pizza. The, uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that'll show you a goat sacrifice in reverse. Mmm. You put the goat back together again. It's like a puzzle piece. A no. two piece puzzle. Uh well cool. We do this uh show every week, so be sure to come back and check us out. We'll be live at badradio.live or uh over at the No Agenda Stream. No yes, agenda stream dot com. Oh yeah, you got to check out all the stuff on the No Agenda Stream. But if you are listening to this show, you have been listening to Behind the Schemes, episode one eleven, and uh, it's been our absolute pleasure to to be with you this evening. Remember, it's uh, uh, oh my god, August twenty first after No Agenda, we'll be live on the on the NA stream again. Yeah, follow it up. I should have a nice little meetup report. Oh, nice. Uh, for uh, my shit. Perfect timing. 
Yeah. Couldn't have planned it any better. Yeah. Love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Nailing it. <laughs> you know it, baby. You know it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and know a little more till next week. When we come back, I'll be Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. That's right. And uh, I want to see you. I want to see you meet up. My name is Lavish. You know, a goat is the only animal with an innate sense of democracy. That's why they're called nature's president. Which it could get culty. Death by nail. So you got crucified. I knew it. She's a real cutie. It'd be a good on stage. I can say I can see her as a punk rock rocker pogoing on the stage. Oh yes, the pogo. They love sucking Satan's cock. They get off on it. She's a punk rocker. Rolling out the MK Ultra song on us. Great. I'm just the one that, that, that kills them, and I can just say I was following orders, okay? This is Behind the Schemes. The esoterica of your dreams. 